Justin, sing me a song in the style of a different artist singing a song. Like, so like say Lady Gaga's Poker Face, but say you would really want to hear a cover of Dolly Parton doing it. You would sing a Dolly Parton cover of Poker Face. So I want you to essentially <laughs> recast the artist of a song and sing me that song in the new actor style. Wow. Uh, <laughs> God. So I got to think of two people and then I got to reverse. Let's hear. Um, and I have to imitate their voices. This is impossible. I hate you. You have um, to, yeah, you'd have to do the new artist. <laughs> so like I said, in my example, you wouldn't be singing Lady Gaga's poker face. You would be singing Dolly Parton's poker face. These get progressively harder. What the fuck uh, else would you, would you think I would do in an episode like this? <laughs> this is probably the most on-theme song choice thing I've ever done. Uh, Lady Gaga sings, Build Me a Buttercup. Why don't y'all bail me up? Bail me a buttercup. Don't bail me a buttercup. It'll take my life away. <laughs> All right, I'll give that to you. That's a win for Justin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nice. I actually show. thought you were going to do like uh, Lady Gaga as like Metallica. <laughs> that would be sick. Why haven't they done a combined album? <laughs> I thought they did. I thought they did a song or two that they released out because they did perform together. Really? Oh, they did. They have. Oh, well, then I'm going to look that up. How did I miss that? <laughs> I didn't know that. It was at some award show thing. I felt bad because James Hetfield's microphone didn't work for like part of it. But yeah, no, uh, oh. Lady Gaga has performed with Metallica. Oh, dude, that has happened. I need to look that up. I'm glad that this happened. Like, I thought that's why you brought it up, Heather, because it's happened. Oh, nope. I didn't know that. Oh, man, you guys are missing out on the world. <laughs> Irk. Like, you're doing exactly what Ferris Bueller said not to do, and you're letting life pass you by. Well, as long as Ferris Bueller said it. Oh, fuck Ferris Bueller. <laughs> that's why I said that. <laughs> All right. Now, Heather, I see I wasn't going to do a Heather's turn. Now we're going to have a Heather's turn. Heather. Why? Because you, you're the one that decided to be like that. All right, so Heather. Like what? I was agreeing with you. Uh -huh. No, you weren't. You were being rude about it. You no, know, you know I was my feelings being about sarcastic. You know my feelings I know, that's about why Ferris I was... Bueller, and so you attacked me with it. Therefore, you're getting a song mm. assignment. All right, so Heather. No, I was being sarcastic about it because I agree with you. Too late. It was sarcasm. It's been decided. You're doing a song. All right, Heather, sing me a song. Just like Jastin's assignment, but uh -oh. we're going to add one more artist to it. So in the example, you'd be singing Lady Gaga's Poker Face as performed by Dolly Parton. But then somebody's doing a cover, but Miley Cyrus is doing her cover of Dolly Parton's cover of Poker Face. Oh my, you know good and well I'm not going to do this. I, that's a lot of brain power. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what I would do. Um, or like a real life example would be Nine Inch Nails Hurt and then Johnny Cash did a cover of Nine Inch Nails Hurt. Now you needed would do a cover of someone else doing a cover of Johnny Cash's Hurt. I see. Um, yeah, no, I, I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. I would have had to see if we know the questions ahead of time, I would be prepared. No, that's, that's maybe lame. by the end of the show. I'll think of one. It's too late. You already lost. So see, I, I honestly thought your question this week was going to be like, sing a song about um, something being like something else. No, that's not fun. So that's why I wasn't quite prepared. For nope. And so you take the L, which means I get a win still. That's all that matters is that I got to win this episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, let's start the Dang. episode.
Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I am Sterling, and as always, I am joined by Heather and Justin, and we are going to do an episode where we recast movies. We've also put this up on Facebook, and we had some fan responses to that, so we're also going to bring up some of those later in the episode. But what essentially we're going to be doing today is we're going to take a movie, and we're going to give a recasting of it, and like explain why we're doing that particular recasting and everything of this movie and discuss it and whatnot further. So starting this off, since I feel slightly bad, Heather, since you lost already, go ahead and start us off with your recasting of a movie. Oh my. Um, okay. So when we first discussed this idea, uh, we were trying to think of, you know, what kind of movies we would do, what movies we wanted to recast. And the idea was brought up to think of a movie that we think is pretty much a perfect movie or a really close to it. Something that basically you can't really find anything wrong with it and try to recast that movie to see if it would still seem as good. Um, and cause yeah, that was part of the challenge of it was to try and do something that's already good and then see if we can recast it and still make it that good. So that being said, my choice for my movie recast is Knives Out, because for me, that movie is brilliant. It's super well done. The storytelling, the plot, the cast, everything in it is really, really good. So that was why I chose this movie. Um, And it's also really hard because genuinely the whole cast is perfect. Like everybody did such a great job in their roles. So it was a super challenge for me because I'm like, nobody can do it as well as this person and all that stuff. So it was a challenge, but it was super fun to think about, too, um, because I think some of them could have been really good options as well. There are a couple of them where it was really hard. Like I was trying to decide between two different people. And so I might give you both just to see which one you guys might think would be better. But Yeah, so that's going to be why I'm choosing this one. Um, And as you guys know, obviously, this one has like a super good and full cast of people. Like there's a lot of people in this movie. It's, you know, their entire family. So Um, so my first one that I'm starting out with is the um, the Harlan Thromby, the one who ends up, you know, being the one who dies in the movie um, played by Christopher Plummer. So. If I were going to recast him, my first thought of it, I think someone who would do a really good job would be Robert Duvall. I think he could play that part really well, Um, just because of his connection that he has with his nurse and then just the, you know, trying to be the strong arm type of person for his spoiled family. I think he could play it really well. So that's who I'm going to choose for him. I did have a runner-up option, which was Patrick Stewart. I think he would have also been really good at it. But ultimately, I'm going with Robert Duvall for this one. Um, Are we discussing, or should I just continue and then we'll discuss? I'd say keep going. Okay. All right. Um, Another, so the other character, Lieutenant Elliot, who is played by Lakeith Stanfield, who is wonderful in everything he does. Also hard because, I mean, why would you ever want to recast him in anything? But if I had to, this was another one where I was stuck. My very first option that I thought of was Henry Golding for that. I think he would have been phenomenal. Um, 
You know, it's not like the super big character of the movie, but he plays an important part in it. So I would have picked Henry Golding for that. My runner-up option for that one I did have was Keegan-Michael Key. I think he would have been really good too. Um, Let's see. For um, Great Nana, (laughs) I did, she's also not, you know, she doesn't say a whole lot in her or whatever, but I think someone who would have been a really good Great Nana would be Angela Lansbury. I think she would have done awesome at that. And also it would have been kind of a nod to the movie because in part of it, you see where someone in the film is watching an episode of Murder, She Wrote. So I think that would have been kind of cool to like put her in it kind of as a nod to that. That would have been cool. Um, yeah, right. Um, let's see. Um, okay, so Walt, who is played by Michael Shannon, who is one of the, is he the youngest brother? I can't remember. I think he's the youngest, right, of, the, of his kids, of Christopher Plummer's kids or Harlan's kids. I think he's the youngest one. Uh, oh, no, he's not. But he's the youngest boy, I think. Maybe the only boy. I don't remember. Anyways, but yeah, he's played by Michael Shannon. Um, really good in the movie. Michael Shannon is a very, he's a very good, usually like supporting character in a lot of different things. So he was really good in it, too. Um, my first pick for him is Joshua Jackson. I think him, you know, from Dawson's Creek um, and other things since, but mostly from that. I think that he would, you know, he's got that like kind of dignified, I'm from a wealthy family type of thing, but also very pretentious. So I think Joshua Jackson would be really great in that role. And he has a son and a wife, um, or that character Walt does. His wife, Donna, um, She's played by a lady named Ricky Lindholm, which I haven't really seen her in much else. The only thing I remember her in is an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But, you know, a very put together, very proper blonde lady who's very elegant and whatever. So I think for the wife, for that character, I would put Amy Smart. I think she would be good in that role. And then their terrible child, um, Jacob, (laughs) who is he's kind of the worst, like he's really kind of the worst, but, um, Jaden Martell, who is from the, the remake of the it movies, he, he plays, um, Bill. Yeah. So he's, he's in those movies and a couple of other movies. He's who currently plays him in the role. I would choose for that character, Noah Schnapp, who is Will from Stranger Things. I think he would be good because he also has like this really, innocent sweet face and I think putting that with the type of character that Jacob is would be really interesting so I thought he would be good for that so um who is after that okay um Joni who is played by Tony Collette and I love Tony Collette so it's really hard to replace her my first option for the recast of her character would be um Elizabeth Moss I think she would have been really good you know she kind of plays that spoiled single parent type of thing and really kind of only looking out for herself. I just think Elizabeth Moss would do a very good job in that role. Um, My runner up option I did have for this one is Connie Britton because she's fantastic and everything. And she's always very, looks always very put together and very proper in roles. And I think she could play it well. So she was my next option. Um, Her daughter, Meg, who was played by Catherine Langford who's like the college kid who's been in college for forever and also very spoiled. Um, I would put 
uh, Anya Taylor-Joy in that, who is, if you don't know, she's the girl from Split and Glass and The Witch. Um, I think she would have been a really good person to play this character. Um, and I think that the mother-daughter dynamic between Anya Taylor-Joy and Elizabeth Moss would be kind of awesome to see. So, um, For Linda, who is played by Jamie Lee Curtis... This one was super hard. I had a couple of different ones. Like at one point I landed on Michelle Pfeiffer um, and Sigourney Weaver. But ultimately, my decision for playing her recast would be Alice and Janney because she's amazing. And I think she would be awesome playing like the technically the real head of the household who is the most like the dad. I don't know. I just think she would have done a really good job at that. And her husband, played by Don Johnson, is Richard. This one was also hard. I landed on, and I think 100% would have been great, would be Bradley Whitford uh, from West Wing, from, he's in a bunch of different things. I think The Handmaid's Tale. He's in a lot of stuff, but he is a great actor. And he does, he's the dad from Get Out. He, he just does a lot of really great, diverse roles. And I just see him being that very, like, uppity, pretty much very racist guy, but trying to hide the racism by being nice kind of character. I just think he would do really well with that. Um, okay. Marta, who plays the nurse, Ana de Armas. This one was probably the hardest one for me to choose because I just think she did such a perfect job. And I was like, I don't know anybody else who I think could do as well on that role. Um, so my original pick for this, who is now my runner-up pick, is going to be Naomi Scott, who I know she's not Hispanic, but she is still, you know, a different culture that she could bring to the role. And I think that she could play the character super well. So she was my runner-up. And after a discussion that I had, um, and I didn't really realize it, but pretty much a perfect option for the role would be Gina Rodriguez, who played Jane the Virgin, played in a lot of different things. but. Um, Gina Rodriguez would be probably a really great option to recast for this role. She could do the very um, humble, quiet spirit, generous, but also very smart and caring type of role really well. So I would choose her. Um, For Ransom, who was played by Chris Evans, who also was perfect in the role. This was also really, really hard. Um, My pick that I had for the longest time that I was super set on was Matt Bomer. I think he could do that very charming, very um, like I have an ulterior motive, but I can make you think that I'm on your side because I'm very charming type of person. I think he would be perfect for it. But then something came to my attention and I actually, Matt Bomer is my runner up. Now my main pick would be Zac Efron. I think he would be perfect. So. I landed on him as the initial or the very the first choice for that role. And finally, for Benoit Blanc, who is Daniel Craig, the lead investigator person who is doing the case. This one, I landed on a few different people, but I think ultimately the perfect person I think to play this role, I think would be Brad Pitt. He would do that very quirky, weird, um, I guess, like kind of aloof, 
off ball, off the wall type of character, but also very smart and good at his job and very laid back and kind of really only cares about solving the case type of role. He's very offbeat, um, but very, um, very good with people, very, just very good at his job. And um, I just think he has a lot of those characteristics to where he would play that part super well. And then the whole smoking a cigar all the time and just being very on his own, doing his own thing for the whole movie. I love that aspect about the character. And I think, yeah, Brad Pitt would be awesome at that. So there we have it, folks. Nice. I mean, you really went through I mean, all of the important <laughs> a lot characters. Of people. So, and that was a lot of people. So I definitely commend you on that. Uh, the the Tony Collette role, Joni, you totally read my mind with Elizabeth Moss. I mean, as I was looking, because I've kind of got the the cast up on my phone and I was just kind of going through as you were going through, which I highly recommend if you're listening to this, do that just so you can keep track of all the names and stuff like that. But, uh, nah, man, as soon as, as you were talking about, um, Joni, I was like, I think Elizabeth Moss could do that. And then you totally <laughs> said it. So I was like, yep, that was a great uh, pick. And um, and some of these other ones, man, uh, I'll commend you on them. And yeah, I think that when you said Brad Pitt, I didn't immediately go, yeah. But as you started talking and I started thinking about some of his roles that, that he's had and stuff like that, yeah, he could do that. He, he could be the detective. I, I think he could do it. Yeah, he has that thing where he likes to like in every role, he just likes to be eating while he's on screen. I think that would be just a funny thing to also bring to this character. So I think it would work. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I figured that uh, Ana de Amas would be your toughest one. I, I was like, man, could you know, because I even just going through, uh, I was trying to think of somebody for her and I was like, OK, could Selma Hayek do that? No, she's not young enough. Could um, that was the problem? I know. Yeah, like the ones who could maybe rise to that. They're all like, as far as uh, Hispanic actresses I know, they're all kind of older women. And I was like, dang, this is a problem. But throwing Naomi Scott in there as an alternate, I think that was a good alternate. She's got a similar face as this actor, as this actress. Um. I think she could do that. She's young enough. If if I had to have an alternate, that was a good choice. I, I think that she would be one of the better options for that role. So, no, I just thought I'd say those few comments. I, I really liked what you did with it, though. Good job. I do have to say that the Gina Rodriguez choice, it's actually something that a conversation I had with Sterling at one point, and we were talking about. Um, something, I think it might've been something with Brooklyn Nine-Nine where she was in an episode with uh, Stephanie Beatrice and whatever. And anyway, so something that Sterling had said triggered it and I was like, damn, she would be perfect. So yeah, that's kind of where I came to that one because otherwise I was like, Naomi Scott, it was just like kind of perfect, but you know, so yeah, that's kind of, that one came from Sterling kind of in, inadvertently. So thanks for that. <laughs> Okay, and, and I meant to ask you about, yeah, and I forgot to ask you about uh, Rodriguez. What else has she been in? Is she from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Is that kind of like where her main roles are? Or what else has she been in? I'm trying to remember who that is. She's She was in one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, she was only in, she, okay. a guest star. Okay. Uh, 
But no, Gina Rodriguez, she plays the main character in Jane the Virgin. Um, did you ever see Deepwater Horizon? Because she's in that. Yes, I saw she that. Does, okay. She does the voice of Carmen Sandiego on the Netflix animated Carmen Sandiego. Mm-hmm. Which is very good. Okay. Okay. I knew that and name she did sounded that familiar. Miss Bala, Miss Bala movie or whatever that movie was called. It wasn't very good from what I heard, but she was the main character of that. And there's a Netflix movie she's in called um, Someone Great. Someone Great. Yeah. She's really good in that. She's in that with Lakeith Sanfield. And they're amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. They're really good. Oh, uh, do okay. You, do, do you watch Big Mouth, Justin? Yeah. Yeah. She also does the voice of Gina in that. Okay, so I do know who this is. Okay, and She's Carmen San Diego. Yeah. Okay, and I'm very familiar with that. And she does great. She does a great job voicing Carmen in that show. And now, and I do remember what she looks like now because I remember the Miss Bala previews and stuff. So yeah, okay. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. And she's definitely young enough and has the range. So the good choice, Heather. Yeah. And the, and the thing I do, the, it, it's weird though. Like the reason why I would prefer her, her over Naomi Scott, it's nothing against Naomi Scott because I absolutely love her is, is as weird as it sounds the the character being, uh, uh, Latinx is very important to that role in, yeah. in, in the story of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it's, it's in a weird way. Because it's going to, it sounds weird, but it's the family's racism towards that is why that role. It's a huge part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's not like an, I wouldn't say it's an overt theme, but it's, it's an overt reason for a lot of their motivations. And. Right. And that's very important to it. And I know, I know Naomi Scott is part Indian. Um, so she would yeah. still feel it being a minority, but I think in today's climate, especially with when this movie was made and stuff like that. I think being uh, Latinx actually uh, makes it a little stronger. It, yeah, it, it fits a agreed. little better um, because of that. And I think it's I think it's funny though that you brought up uh, Bradley Whitford for being that role because like I mean I'm I'm a huge Brooklyn Nine Nine fan and like Bradley uh, Bradley Whitford is Jake Peralta's dad in the show. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I forgot about and, that. He is. Uh, but just always seeing him being that dad. Like, it's like with, you know, like get out and stuff like that. And like the way that character, like, or just the role, the way he could play it, I feel would be different from the way Don Johnson played it, but still very effective in the, in -hmm. that type of way. Because oddly, I I think at least nowadays, I think, I think Bradley Whitford has a slight, a slight edge in the charm department. Um, Yeah. There's something about him. (laughs) If this was, if this was back in Miami Vice days, you could never say that because Don Johnson oozed charm. And it's mm-hmm. nothing against Don Johnson, but I think when it comes to fatherly charm, Bradley mm-hmm. Whitford, I think beats him at it. And totally. And, and I do think it's also weird that when you were talking about the role that Don Johnson plays in this movie of being charming, but racist and all this other stuff. And then it just made me think of his character in the Watchmen. And I'm like, is Don Johnson being typecast as a charming racist? <laughs> that's that's an he's, interesting thought, he's, is that the role you want to be <laughs> he's super good yeah, at it he but is then it makes me it. wonder what kind of person is don johnson i'm hoping he just does it because <laughs> they're quality roles he's like i yeah. hate that i'm getting typecast in this but they're super quality it's like you always have those those actors that are just really good at playing racists in movies um oddly mm-hmm. enough sam rockwell is an amazing movie racist 
I was about to say that. Absolutely. He's so insanely good at it and it's upsetting, but great at the same time. But it's just one of those things. It makes me wonder about Sam Rockwell. I mean, if you ever see Sam Rockwell just doing an interview or something like that, he's an amazing actor, but I don't think he's good enough of an actor to like would be able to hide the sheer amount of racism he'd have to have to secretly love those racist roles because like he'll like come out and he's just dancing like coming out behind the curtain, like to go to the interview chair, like he's dancing. And I guess racists can dance, but I don't think they could have that type of dancing. It's just that he doesn't come across <laughs> like that, but he's so fucking good at being a racist. Like, yeah. I, that, and that's what I was going to say is I think an, another alternative to the Michael Shannon character would be Sam Rockwell. Oh, why didn't I think of him? You know what? I, sh- I should have thought of that. But like, I don't know why. But And I think also because I've been watching um, Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu and uh, Joshua Jackson plays the uh, Reese Witherspoon's husband and the dad in the show. And he is completely just a very pompous, entitled like guy. And it just, I think maybe that's why he was in the forefront of my mind to play this character. My actual alternative that I did have, which I didn't say for that role is Giovanni Rabisi, if you know who that is, because I think he's so good at being a very like squirrely, weird, like kind of guy that could pull off those aspects of the character that Michael Shannon kind of did, where he's like really trying to do what he can to get what he wants but also make it seem like oh i'm just a good guy like he just could play that well too he was actually my alternative but man sam rockwell would be really good too i I mean i i agree with you on giovanni rubisi because giovanni rubisi is very good at being very intense and then also very timid which i think was a very interesting way that of of michael shannon especially in that role Uh, but uh, Mm -hmm. but also just to say you, you don't have to defend joshua jackson to me I'm a, yeah, I, you are I, a fan. I know. I was always Team Pacey. Um, <laughs> Me too. I, I I loved him in Fringe. Uh, and, yeah. and another amazing show that he's in is The Affair. Um, yeah, you don't have to defend Joshua Jackson to me. I was just spitballing and throwing something else out there. But trust me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joshua Jackson's a win. <laughs> yeah. And you just see him if he's that role, like his son just being that kid, you know what I mean? Like it just, something works about it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and another person, I think oddly enough, that would be great in this. Uh, and I, I know you said Allison uh, Janney, which, and she, she would be the number one alternate choice to Jamie Lee Curtis in that, but as like a weird dynamic because they have amazing chemistry and this is all from Brooklyn nine, nine. Cause I have to tie this in would be, what's her name? Uh, Katie Kathy, Seagal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As That's that true. Mom. I mean, everybody knows her from uh, married with ki- uh, married with children and mm-hmm. sons of anarchy, and where she played the hologram maid woman in the Disney smart home movie. Um, yeah, everybody knows her, but I th- I just think she'd be she could be a good alternative to that also because of her chemistry uh, with Bradley. That's Whitford. true. And I and and yeah. not solely because I, I do think she could nail it on her, her own merits, regardless. I'm just saying, right. I can't get enough of their chemistry and would love to see it again, even though they, <laughs> even though it, because it, it would be great in those moments where they're faking their happy marriage. Like that's where they mm-hmm. would use it because they're, they have a garbage marriage and they hate each other. But when they're faking that they have a loving marriage, I think that that's when you would get to really see that charm with, and yeah. you know, that would just be kind of fun. 
And I think part of it too, when, with Alice and Janney and Bradley Whitford, they both work together on West Wing. And I don't know. I just think that that would, they already know how to work together and like have a dynamic. And I think that would be cool too. So just as a side thing, that would be a benefit. Any more thoughts from you, Justin? Um, um, the only other thing that I may add is just, um, I mean, I liked quite a few of her choices, but as you guys were talking and I was thinking about um, the Lakeith Stanfield role of the other detective, kind of the, 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 um, the, the second in command detective. Um, that, that, that was a good role for him. He was very charming in that role. You had a good alternate pick. Um, I also think now he's a little bit older, but I could have seen Mahershala Ali play that character too. I think he would have done a good job there too. Like, uh, just because he's got some experience playing a detective, uh, the true detective series, which he's ridiculous in. Um, I don't know if that role necessarily requires, um, like if the, if the actor has to be in his twenties to be that role, I think he still could have been a nice compliment to, Mm -hmm. uh, to Daniel Craig, or in this case, um, uh, Brad Pitt, who you had, I like that dynamic. I think either one of those, he could have been a nice, uh, alternate for Lakeith Stanfield. I still like your choice just because of the youth, you know, but if I had, but I think he would have been another nice alternative there. Yeah. Like somebody I had in the running for a little bit there was actually Sterling K Brown as well. Cause I think he oh, would have done yeah. a really good job too, but he's kind yeah. of doing everything and I think he should share a little bit. So that's why I gave it to someone else. <laughs> no, but I also, totally get that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say a good, a, a good thing about like a lot of your casting is the fact that, your cast doesn't necessarily have to work as in these are all the roles in the movie with a lot of the people you chose. It could be like, it could be the normal knives out cast and you just swap one of them out and it would still work. I believe in a lot of those cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I would have cheated on the Lakeith Stanfield character. Cause I would have just said, I would have recast it as Lakeith Stanfield. Cause I think he's perfect <laughs> in everything and don't, he needs to be in it all. It's yeah. Super true. <laughs> he though. is awesome. Yeah. For Although sure. like, Honestly, my hugest like battle was actually the ransom Chris Evans character. I don't know because I mean, do you guys think Zach or do you think Matt Bomer? Because I think they would both be really great. See, and that's really hard. I think where I think Zach Efron would work best because mm-hmm. the reason why the the Chris Evans ransom works so well is he is the anti Captain America, but <laughs> yeah. at the same time, there are scenes where he very much is comes across as charming and as wholesome and and, and genuine as Captain America. Mm-hmm. So you get that duality in it all. I think Zach Efron works a little bit better in that just because of the perception people have of him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's that character works being a little bit more famous of an actor because you get that duality and it, it and it makes the turn like I don't want to say that much sweeter, but like that much more effective. When you have somebody with a good image or like a wholesomeness to them. And I'm not saying that Zac Efron's directly uh, like wholesome. You know, he did. He always plays a good guy, though. Well, for the most part, I mean, he did do was it neighbors and stuff like that, where he, you know, can (laughs) be a cocky douchebag and stuff like that. But I think that that's where it works is, you know, you've got these characters from like high school musical and stuff like that, or even his character in The Greatest Showman or something like that, where it is very much on the wholesome and sweet, like, you know, just 
good guy side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then you could flip that with the cocky douchebagness. He does both so well. Yeah. You know, and that's why I would choose him over over Matt. And it's nothing against Matt because I do think he is a fantastic actor and very underrated. I just Mm -hmm. don't think people know him enough for that turn to be as effective as it was like with Chris Evans. I can see that. Yeah. Because to me, that was a very important turn for Ransom. Like with that turn at the end, it it only works if you go from one extreme to the other. Yeah, that's true. I I, I think that Zac Efron, just because of our familiarity with him, works will work better like our familiarity with Chris Evans. Basically, in this specific instance, the character needs to be well known so that it plays well into the effect of what they do in the movie. Yeah, because like in in Knives Out and I guess spoilers for Knives Out if you haven't seen it, like it works so well because you hear all these terrible things about Ransom. And then when you when he's finally like really in the movie, he's not being shitty. And you think he's the only good one. (laughs) Yeah. And so like and it works because it's Chris Evans. Because you're just like, well, yeah, it's Chris Evans. Like, that's American, you know, good boy right there. And you, so you instantly buy that all these people just have a weird bias against Ransom. You just instantly accept yep. that what you've been told throughout the movie about who his character is, is wrong. And yep. it works because of who Chris Evans is. But then when that turn happens, you instantly buy it too, because Chris Evans nailed the fuck out of it. And, yeah, he did. But that's also what makes it so, like, shocking. Like on in, in a narrative way is and I think it, 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 the, it helps that it was Chris Evans that did that turn. And so I do think that having that uh, image makes it just more effective. Also, as you were talking, you know who else might actually be able to pull that role off? And he's not too much older than Chris Evans, but I think John Krasinski could have also done that. You know, if John Krasinski had done that. Everyone would have like heads would have exploded. Because that would have been That's Jim true. from The Office. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you get Jim from The Office for half of it, and then that happens? Man, <laughs> that dude, would have been come perfect. on. Come yeah. on, dude. And he I, totally I love me some John Krasinski. Yeah. He's actually amazing. I, I love John Krasinski. I think maybe because, like, in part of my mind, I'm like, maybe people see him too much as, like, that goofy guy. To pull off the charm, well, he's charming, but to pull off just the facade of like the Chris Evans role, like I, cause I vaguely like thought about it, but you're right because I don't know. He, he actually would have also been a really good option, but I just didn't know if it would have the same effect, but you're right. It probably would. I mean, especially no, if I he get kept your the logic beard. with that. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, if he kept the beard, like office, office John Krasinski versus like bearded John Krasinski now. He's too much of a beefcake for you just to think goofball with that beard. (laughs) No, that's true. That beard does wonders for him. I'll give you that. The only other thing I'll say is those the only I get where you're going with that. And I get your logic with that. And that's true. You know, will they buy him when he makes that turn? The only thing I can say in defense to that is there are those moments in the office where he gets mad and you can tell. Or something annoys him and he raises his voice or he gets frustrated and he kind of turns a little bit. And I want to say if he could fully harness that, maybe that's there and we just haven't seen it or he just hasn't been challenged to do it. But there are those moments in the office, man, where 
Jim got angry and you can see it. You can see it bubbling in him. You can see him or he'll have a mini explosion and then he shuts it off. And I wonder if you just let him go full blown like heel in that moment where the turn needs to happen in this movie. Could he really nail that? I think there's potential there to do it. Honestly, yeah. I think he could. I, and maybe part of it was like, are they going to buy the pompous, rich and titled thing from him? You know what I mean? Maybe it was that too. But I mean, That's but true. also one of my favorite scenes of Knives Out is the scene when they're all in the room and they find out that like Ransom was written out of the will. And, you know, um, Michael Shannon's character is there yelling at him and being like all these things. And he's just sitting there with this like super sarcastic look on his face of like, oh, okay. Like just really not taking it seriously what he's saying. And, you know, and then his dad's like ransom and he's like, father, like just really making fun of how intense all these people are being. It's just the greatest thing. Like I love that scene in the movie. And I think John Krasinski probably would have done that part super well because it was a very like sarcastic, smart ass, funny Thing that he was doing so yeah, yeah there's parts when he probably would have done well but yeah i just i just that scene was so great in the movie that i kind of was trying to base a little bit of it off of who would pull off of that as well as chris evans did you know oh yeah i think of it like this though take season two of the office and the parts in the movie where you're thinking you know ransom changed and all this other stuff that's very much how pam sees jim's character in the second season but then mm. the, the turn would be when he's like the asshole character and all this other stuff. That would be how Dwight sees Jim in like, mm. especially, like, especially in the second season. Uh, it just like, cause yeah. that's how Dwight perceives Jim is a gigantic asshole. That is just a goofball <laughs> that doesn't give a fuck. Like he's just, you know, like he doesn't take anything seriously and all this other stuff. That would be, that's how Dwight sees Jim, you know, man. Now that we're talking about the office, Steve Carell would have been a good dad. Sorry. I just had to say that. No, yeah. I mean, but it's just then, then you think about it, like with the whole goofball in this with, in the scene you were talking about, Heather, where, you know, everybody's yelling at him and all this other stuff and he's just kind of blowing it off and all this other stuff. Then that mm-hmm. would be kind of the way the audience perceives Jim in the second, you know, starting in the second season. I, I say starting mm-hmm. in the second season because I think the actual characters that people fell in love with in the office, those aspects of the started characters, then. I think started in the second season. The first season's mm-hmm. a little weird with some of their stuff. But I think the second season yeah. of The Office is the, the version of the characters people fell in love with. So and that's why I'm, I'm referencing that season specifically. But, you know, like him just kind of being aloof and a little snarky because Jim's always a little snarky, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so during that scene, that's like the audience perception of Jim in the second season. Like, that's just I'm stuck on John Krasinski now. I'm sorry. I'm no, I'm OK I can with only it. I see Chris Evans and John Krasinski him. now. I can't see anyone else. <laughs> yeah, John Krasinski. No, I, I'm, I'm in for it. I totally have no issues with that because John Krasinski is great. So I am, I'm in. But yeah, thanks for breaking everything, Justin. Now I'm going to go recast my movie real quick as nothing but six John Krasinskis. Um, I know, right? <laughs> I would now watch you it. Put him in everything. <laughs> Uh, But no, really, it was you, though, man, when you were talking about how effective the turn is because of the reputation that Chris Evans has. I was like, does anybody else have that Captain America or at least Mm -hmm. just that light reputation like that and is about the same age as Chris Evans? And then I was like, 
John Krasinski. And I was like, he's only a couple of years older. I was like, man, dude, I would buy him. I wouldn't think that he was the bad guy if he was in this. And then when he made the turn, it would shock me. And so that was just the name that came to mind when you were making your point about that. And I do like, and not to, you know, we'll get off of this after this, but do you guys think Chris Pratt would be able to do it? No. No? Too funny? Too not serious enough? (laughs) It's not that. I don't think the way he would be mean would be like, like mean and cruel at the end. I don't think would be the same. Because we have seen him. Be, it wouldn't be as believable. Yeah, because there's what there's been a couple of movies where he's kind of been a douchebaggy character and stuff like that. And it's just it's not the same. Like the way he does cruel wouldn't be the same. You know? Yeah, I just know. Yeah, people see him as such a good guy that I think that term would be interesting with him. But you're right. I mean, Krasinski would be top notch for sure. And if not, I still say Zac Efron would be good, too. I mean, fuck, I'm just totally stuck on John Krasinski, though. I can't get away from it, like, at all. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll change it, because I agree. To me, and it's just funny, too, because, like, you say all that, and, like, when John Krasinski was the number two choice for Captain America, like, the final two choices for Captain America were Chris Evans and John Krasinski. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, all, yeah. and apparently, it was Chris Hemsworth as Thor that made John Krasinski say, no, I can't do this, because he saw Chris Hemsworth in, like, the Thor costume, like, while he was auditioning for Captain America, and he's like, <laughs> I can't be that, and, right. you know. But then it's funny. And now he is that. Yeah, kind exactly. Of. Now you see him and he's fucking ripped as shit. And you're like, yep. oh, John Krasinski is that. You could have been Cap, you dumbass. You just had to get the right role and you would have been it. You just have to believe, Jim. Believe. I think we're all just trying to say John Krasinski's perfect. I think that's what's happening right now. And I mean, oh, and I love that. What is it? That, that Hyundai commercial with Chris Evans and John Krasinski. It's one of my favorite commercials. And, I've never seen it. And what's her what? name? Uh, and, and Rachel Dower? Dower? I don't know. She was on SNL. Um, and it is Rachel Dratch. Yes. Yes. Rachel Dratch, John Krasinski, Chris Evans. And it's got big poppy from the, uh, the wash or the wash. What the fuck am I saying? The Boston Red Sox. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Cause they're all using like severe Boston accents. You didn't see oh my that. Gosh. Commercial I need in the to, Super Bowl and shit? no, I need to see Man, that immediately. I, I need to see that. I did not. I, I didn't either catch one of you that fucking one. see that was the top Super Bowl commercial to me. And I saw it before the Super Bowl because now they just put everything on the internet before the Super Bowl anyway. To be fair, I was on a flight during the Super Bowl, so I didn't watch the Super Bowl when it happened. I don't know what that means, but I know. I, but I don't know how you haven't seen a version of it since because it's still they still have aired it a few times. Oh, it's it's my favorite. One of my favorite all time Super Bowl commercials. All right. Well, I need to go watch that. Absolutely then. love it. Yes, everybody. If you have not seen it, it's I want to say it's a Hyundai commercial about Smart Park, but they do it in the Boston accent. So it's like Smart Park. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Chris Evans, Rachel Dratch, Big Poppy. Uh, John Krasinski, fucking amazing. That is to me like it really is already. It's only been a few months. Mount Rushmore of commercials, one of my favorite of all time. <laughs> um, but no, let's go ahead, Justin. Let's move on. Let's get a cast from you. I'm glad my movie only has a few because. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, well, I mean, you picked a great movie to do it with, like. But I think like my movie, I could recast everybody, even some of the extras in the background, and I don't think my cast is as big as yours. Um, which will be good. But uh, Justin, what about you? What is a movie and the recast you would do for it? Okay, so I had two ideas that I thought were pretty solid ideas. So when Sterling proposed the question, okay, take a movie that you think is perfect or a movie that you think 
is uh, like of super high quality. You don't really think anything's wrong with it and try to recast it. So for me, uh, Million Dollar Baby is one of my favorite movies directed by Clint Eastwood stars um, as Maggie Fitzgerald, Hilary Swank. It's got, uh, of course, Clint Eastwood also stars and directs. Um, Morgan Freeman is um, also... Uh, one of the main characters in the movie. So, and this movie is great. It's tragic. There's a lot of great um, cinematography in this film. Um, And and it's a really good movie. It won Best Picture of the Year it came out. It's considered one of the best sports movies there is. So I I wanted to tackle this. I I didn't think it would be... um, there aren't as many cast members or as many impactful cast members as uh, as Heather had for something like Knives Out, which I think Heather did a great job with that. This one doesn't have as many, but I will try to talk in detail about why I'm choosing who I'm choosing and everything like that. So for director, so I wanted a director that had some experience doing boxing because there are a lot of scenes in this movie that have um that that that, that deal with where you see boxing matches and you see Maggie Fitzgerald go up against all these opponents as she's working her way up the female boxing ranks so i wanted somebody who's able to showcase um boxing matches two people came to mind um, the first one that uh, instantly came to mind was Sylvester Stallone. And I mean, why not, right? He's done 50,000 Rocky movies, um, some, uh, you know, and, 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 and many of those he's directed, or has he directed all of them? I, I want to say most of them he has. Um, uh, so he was the first person that came to mind. And then I started thinking, well, but Slice Stallone, most of the time, the Rocky movies are kind of like, they're more or less, they're uplifting, you know, most of the time. They don't really, th- there are tragedies that occur in them, but most of the time they end kind of with an upbeat, kind of more of an uplifting type of message. Million Dollar Baby is not that movie. I mean, this is very much a tragedy when it's all said and done. It's very tragic. Yeah, sure, there are some uplifting beats at the end, but it's a very tragic kind of dark, grittier sort of movie. So then I turned my head to Martin Scorsese and I started thinking, could he do this? And I think he can. So that's who I landed on. Martin Scorsese has boxing film experience. He directed Raging Bull and Raging Bull, much like this movie, is a very gritty kind of boxing movie. It's very gritty. It's black and white. So it's got that kind of that that contrast as far as you're looking at with cinematography. So I think that this wouldn't be too much of a stretch for him because in the million dollar baby movie Clint Eastwood does a lot with shadows well Clint Eastwood in general when he directs he likes shadows he likes the use of darkness he likes putting the light on uh, on a character's face and using those shadows and that little bit of light that you get in the scene to tell the story so I think that Martin Scorsese has done things like this before when you look at some of his work with the mob movies and things like that he's done similar work 
to that. So I think that Martin Scorsese would be comfortable with this. I think that this is a movie that he would know what to do as far as the boxing scenes. And I think that it's a tragic enough story to where he... I feel like he would bring us that same sense of urgency that Clint Eastwood brought to the script. And I think that he would be able to translate a lot of those tragic beats and those sadder tone beats. I think that he would be able to translate that well. Um, uh, now for Frankie Dunn, who was played by Clint Eastwood, and this was kind of your 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 gritty, no nonsense kind of a boxing coach that was in this movie. Uh, I chose Robert De Niro for this part, and a lot of my reasoning behind that was is that. Um, given Martin Scorsese's, and this is why I like to start with the director, because then I can kind of talk about the chemistry that that director has with certain actors and actresses. This was just kind of my thought process going through this. But I figured that Robert De Niro would make a great coach for this just because he's played a boxer before. So he's kind of got that experience of being on the other side of that. So I thought that some of that knowledge and some of that would translate translate would translate well for him kind of being the the hard nose no nonsense kind of coach for this i think that his experience with martin scorsese speaks for itself i think that the chemistry that they have in movies martin would know how to position him martin knows would know his strengths martin would be able to use that to really maximize what robert de niro could do for this role and since it's more of a supporting role in the sense that Maggie Fitzgerald is our main character in this, uh, I think that um, Robert De Niro would be able to land those scenes well. I think that Robert De Niro would definitely be able to do this character. There are some funny scenes in the film where Clint Eastwood, as this Frankie character, is kind of questioning. He's got this relationship with the priest, and he's constantly asking him these questions like, you know, so... Uh, you know, would Jesus do this or would Jesus do that? And always trying to like put the pri the priest in these awkward um, situations and they got a good back and forth banner. And I think Robert De Niro could nail that. I could see him doing that stuff and kind of bothering this priest and asking him these questions and knowing uh, and just being a dick to him and stuff. I think that Robert De Niro could totally do that. And I think that Robert De Niro could have that mean uh, demeanor about him, but still be this kind of endearing character with really this heart of gold that kind of has this hard exterior. He's played characters like that. I think he would totally nail the Frankie Dunn character. Moving on to our main crux of this, Maggie Fitzgerald, who was played amazingly by Hilary Swank. She got in phenomenal physical condition for this. She learned, she took boxing lessons for this role, and Hilary Swank really just did a phenomenal job and earns an Academy Award, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I chose Emma Stone for this as my recasting. Uh, I've been on an Emma Stone rewatch lately because I kind of featured her in one of my uh, actresses that I highlighted and picked my five favorite movies and stuff like that. Uh, I really think Emma Stone could do this. Uh, Maggie Fitzgerald 
um, was is kind of like a she's straight trailer park in this. So she speaks with a thick accent, and she's got this quirkiness to her, at where this kind of quirkiness where she really is super honest, no filter, kind of tells it like it is, says exactly what she's feeling. And I think that Emma Stone in a lot of her roles, she has had a similar type of quirkiness, not the trailer park country bumpkin, but I think that she is somebody. Who who could alter her voice and and nail that role? I think that she could do that well. Emma Stone has some experience also playing an athlete. In the Battle of the Sexes, she played Billie Jean King, who is an iconic tennis player, a feminist who was very instrumental in kind of uh, uh, really uh, taking women's tennis forward and everything like that. And Emma Stone does a great job in that movie. There are scenes that require her to do some athletic things and she was able to do those things. She also took tennis lessons for that role and was able to kind of nail a lot of those scenes that required her to be playing tennis and things like that. So given her experience with playing a female athlete, I think that she could bring some of those tools to this role as Maggie Fitzgerald. I have no doubt in my mind Emma Stone could get in shape for it. I think she could alter her voice well, and she would bring an endearing quirkiness to it that that role needs, but I think that she could get gritty and tough and be what this Maggie Fitzgerald character needs to be, and I think Martin could really direct her well in the boxing scenes. So she was my choice as Maggie Fitzgerald. And then lastly, you've got Eddie Scrap Iron Dupree, who was played brilliantly by Morgan Freeman, who's kind of this retired boxer, but he's got but he's a sage and he's very knowledgeable and he imparts a lot of wisdom and he narrates a lot uh, narrates a lot of this movie and everything like that. So this was one of the hardest people because I mean I mean, when it comes to playing the wise, black, sage type of character, I mean, Morgan Freeman is just exceptional at it. And I mean, whose voice would you rather hear narrating something than Morgan Freeman? So, I mean, it's almost impossible to uh, come up with a person who can match this. And this might be a surprise to some, but I chose Lawrence Fishburne for this role. And the reason why is because even though his voice, maybe not may not be as iconic as um, somebody like a Morgan Freeman. I do think that Lawrence Fishburne has a distinct voice. I do think that Lawrence Fishburne has played his fair share of wise black characters who have a lot of experience. Uh, Morpheus comes to mind in uh, the Matrix films. He was a very good Morpheus, this guy who has experience and kind of talks in riddles, and he's trying to get Neo to um, discover things about himself, and he's trying to guide Neo to the right direction. And Lawrence did a great job in that role. Boys in the Hood. The father that he plays in Boys in the Hood, this wise father trying to teach his son the the right way and trying to um, 
influence his son in a positive way and the knowledge that he imparts on the neighborhood and the town uh, Lawrence really makes an impression on me in that role and I think that in this role he would do a great job I could see him narrating certain parts of this movie talking about the movement of a boxer and what a boxer has to do and things like that and when it's time to have those discussions with um, Robert De Niro who is my replacement um um, Clint Eastwood in this movie those two I think would have a great back and forth because in this they're friends and they know each other and so there are these quips that they get to say back and forth to each other and I think De Niro and Fishbourne could nail that I think that they would have a solid rapport and with Scorsese's direction I think that he would position them in, the, in a lot of good places and I could see those two having a good back and forth and I could see Lawrence Fishbourne lending his voice for narrative and lended himself uh, to this role. And lastly, I just thought that this final role would just be fun. But the there's a bo- but eventually Maggie Fitzgerald runs into this boxer, and this is the boxer that kind of gives her the debilitating injury that leads to kind of the end of this movie. And this boxer was um, uh, was a fierce woman. She was kind of uh, a, a little bit larger in stature, but she's got this um, reputation of being kind of this ruthless cutthroat type of uh, female boxer and I really thought that this would be fun you could have fun with this I really thought that either Ronda Rousey or a Chris Cyborg could maybe be this character and yeah they're more MMA fighters than they are boxers but I thought that it would translate well to this I think that Either Ronda or Cyborg would have a a, a fun time with this role. I mean, Chris Cyborg definitely would look more intimidating and would definitely probably be more believable as this like really super aggressive boxer that that cheats and tries to do use underhanded tactics in the ring. So I think she could totally nail that. But Ronda Rousey, I think, would be a good choice, too. It would be a name that people would be happy to see in that role. But her kind of getting to be for lack of a better term just this bitch total bitch of a woman who just cheats and kind of uh, uses underhanded tactics in the ring I think that Ronda Rousey could channel that and she could totally uh, be just that obnoxious uh, ring uh, boxer personality in the ring so that would overall be my recasting for this million dollar baby film Um, a few things for me I think uh, the another uh, good choice for the uh, the opponent, the bad evil boxer, if you quote unquote will, uh, would also be Gina Carano, just because I love her. Oh yeah, hell yeah! Um, Damn, I, why did that? I think of Gina her? Carano? Yeah, I just I, I I like her more than Ronda Rousey, and she d- she does more movie stuff, you know. Especially now, I know back when this was made, she wasn't, but you know that type of thing. She's, I mean, she was in Deadpool and. Uh, Haywire and The Mandalorian. Yeah, and now that you say that, given her movie experience, yeah, she's totally a better choice. I'm really hmm. mad that I didn't think of her. But yeah, given her experience, nah, man, she totally could rock that role. So no, that that's actually solid, man. I agree with you. I would totally do her. So I'll have to amend this shit. But no, I love that choice. I, I love have a that choice for her. I just, I've always loved her. I've always loved Gina Carano, and so she's I just, great. Yeah. Um. The only thing, I mean, the 
the Morgan Freeman character, the only other thing I thought of when you were talking about narration specifically, the one I thought of was Samuel Jackson because I love him reading shit. Like, I love mm, his narrations yeah. to it. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, and it's that aspect of it that brought that up. It's just like, you were like, oh, who would you rather narrate than Martin, uh, uh, Morgan Freeman? And to me, it'd be Samuel Jackson. I just, I love the way he narrates shit. So I just, that's just what popped in my mind. I mean, the only one that's weird to me is the Emma Stone one. But I don't have the, the affection for Emma Stone that you have, or even just the sheer knowledge of her movies. Yeah, I've seen her in a lot of things, but I've never done an Emma Stone rewatch of pretty much anything. Um, <laughs> even the movies. Of I'm her, with you, I, Jason. I love her. I get it. Even the movies of her, like that she's in that I like, I'm never rewatching them. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, Emma Stone. I mean, all right. I take that back. <laughs> easy. A is delightful, but yeah. Yeah. Easy. A is wonderful. Yeah. But like crazy, stupid love. I'm not rewatching it because of her. Like I'm rewatching that yeah. for the utter bro love fest. That is Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell. 100 percent. that's the yeah. best yeah um yeah i mean but like i said it's i don't have and I, I don't have a love for this movie that you do you know what i mean so you've probably more seriously watched emma stone than i have well i, I say maybe i know you have because you said you did an emma stone rewatch <laughs> um <laughs> and you've done more serious watches of this movie than i have so maybe there's something you've seen or feel or from all that that you know makes you have that correlation i'm just saying from my side i don't see her being able to be a boxer but if you do that's great because like i said your affinity towards her in this movie is infinitely more than mine and i've got zero problems with this movie or emma stone but i i don't know if i see it but like i said i you you, you're way more knowledgeable on both of those topics than i am yeah and what won me over for her was seeing her in battle of the sexes. And if you haven't seen that, then it's kind of going to be tougher to argue it. But like I said, in that film, she's a female athlete and she does a phenomenal job as Billie Jean King. I was, I was really impressed with her in that. And it's a lot different than some of the roles that people are more familiar with. Like I'm sure a lot of the movies that you've seen, cause in the, in the, cause in the movies, everybody loves with her. Like you said, easy a the favorite you know she's a lot more it's lighter it's quirkier and she's not you know she you you don't think hard gritty boxer probably when you see her in those movies and that's true but nothing i've seen movie, her in yeah makes me think hard and gritty nothing makes me think hard and nothing makes me think gritty let alone both of them combined <laughs> yeah yeah, so I totally get that. But I think if you saw Battle of the Sexes, and who knows, you might watch that and go, yeah, I still don't see it. But I think you would see it more than you do now because that woman had to be tough. That woman had to, you know, it was basically about a time where oh, yeah, I, uh, I, I know women just almost had, okay, yeah, you know, they just had no say in. Uh, like a real sports documentary on on HBO. Um but I, I oh, you're okay. right. I haven't seen the actual movie though, Battle of the Sexes though. You know, so I haven't yeah. seen the the movie made about it. I've seen it, but I have seen a documentary. Yeah, yeah. And if I mean, if she does, and I do agree that if like I do watch it, and if she does do a good job of portraying Billie Jean King, uh, King, especially in that scenario, then that would add a lot of credence to it. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of one reason why I didn't want to see that movie is because I I didn't I. Never really pictured Emma Stone as that type of thing. 
So you're right. Yeah. Maybe because I haven't seen that, I don't have that uh, sense of understanding. But uh, honestly, when you were talking about it, I the first when you're talking about like having like when uh, Hillary Swank was like trying to be a boxer and all this other stuff. Oddly enough, the first thought I had was Natalie Portman, just because of, like the training she did for Black Swan. Oh yeah, she's another solid choice. But yeah, then, but as soon as I thought that, my first thing that went through my head is, but could I see her taking a punch? Like, could I see her being a boxer? <laughs> like, I just I was thinking of the training aspect, and I was like, oh yeah, Natalie Portman totally did that. And I'm like, but is she a boxer? You know, hey, <laughs> and, and for all I know, that could change also because what in Thor: Love and Thunder. When she's going to play the Jane Foster version of Thor, you know, she's going to mm-hmm. be kicking all this ass as a, a as a Thor. Maybe that'll change True. my mind on it, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I've only seen her really <laughs> fight with laser blasters <laughs> in Star Wars. That's the really the only kind of fighting I've seen her do is blasting some shit with some blasters. I don't like that phrase. Blasting some shit with some blasters. I need to. That just doesn't work. <laughs> um, it seems weirdly redundant, even though it's technically not. Um. But yeah, so maybe, you know, maybe that's what I need to see. Maybe I do need to see Battle of the Sexes to change my opinion of that on Emma Stone. And maybe I would need a Thor Love and Thunder to then change my mind on would Natalie Portman be able to do it? Because I need to see them kick ass is what I'm saying. And I haven't seen it with what I've seen. No, I totally get that. But yeah, I think but that's a a solid alternative, though, just because, like you said, she's had some experience doing some athletic stuff like and that's just something I try to keep in mind for these roles and stuff. I try to if I'm going to recast, I don't like to recast someone just because I like them and put them in a fish out of water. I really just try to think of, okay, would how easy or hard with the transition be for this person because I do think and we'll get into fan stuff in a little bit but I do get the impression that sometimes people just go well I like this guy so sure let him play Wolverine but could the guy really play Wolverine you know yeah. see I've so been, yeah I just that's something I've been thinking about when you bring up Wolverine as much as I don't like the movie Logan as much as I don't really like a lot of the X-Men films Hugh Jackman was fucking Wolverine. He was made yeah. for it, for sure. Hell yeah. Hell and yes. And I'm just thinking, like, they're going to have to recast Wolverine in the MCU. And I've got no idea who it could possibly be. It's got to mm-hmm. be. It's got to be an unknown. Like, Hugh Jackman yeah. wasn't technically an unknown, but he was he had done some stuff in Australia and it was mainly like Broadway. You know, he so he wasn't really known for being a movie star or anything like that, you know, and. I'm just thinking like they might have to go completely off script. I mean, which Marvel's been very good at with, you know, like nobody really thought Chris Evans, Captain America, the babe, there's no one else like they could play cap or the Steve Rogers cap. I should say, because I think the whole Sam Wilson cap will be fantastic with that Anthony Mackie, but like Steve Rogers cap knocked out of the park. And we knew Chris Evans. We knew Chris Evans before that, but not as something like that. Um, but I mean, Chris Hemsworth is Thor. No one outside of Australia knew who the fuck Chris Hemsworth was. Yeah. Now, worldwide megastar. Like, yeah. nobody better for Thor. Like, so it's just one of those things that I they've got to get someone from left field because I've been racking my brain on who could ever play a Wolverine. And I just, I don't know. Like. Yeah. I, I don't know anybody in the age range who's so good at, who would be good at doing, ra- because a big part of Wolverine is rage. And I'm trying to think who uh, who would have the youth that they need 
but is good at doing that because that's the one thing about Hugh Jackman, man. When it's time to play somebody who has rage, I remember that scene. What's that movie where his child is missing and he's trying to find him? Yes, that. Yeah. Do you do you remember that bathroom scene, Heather, where he's like, tell me where where she is. Tell me where she is. And he's like hitting that uh, sink and all of that. And he's up in that guy's face. I mean, that guy can do rage. Yeah. Wait. And I'm just like, who can do that? I'm just just an offshoot. Oh, go ahead. I have to clarify something real quick. Have you been on record on this podcasting like Prisoners is your favorite movie? Me? Yeah. Me? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Okay. No, I just, I just thought it was funny. Then we're like, when Jasmine's like, do you remember that scene? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, of course I do. <laughs> said that's her favorite movie of like all time. Oh yeah. I love that movie. I'm like, if oh, anybody amazing. remembers, I'm just like, that's just what was going through my head. I'm like, if anybody remembers that scene, it's Heather. <laughs> if I haven't said it on the podcast, I'm sure in some conversation I've mentioned it. Cause I cannot say enough good things about that movie. It was like that or a Facebook post or something. I just know I've seen yeah. you say, like Prisoners is your all-time favorite movie or something. And I could have sworn mm-hmm. it was on this. Okay. Hey, I don't no, remember, but yeah. It was just funny, just like, do you remember that scene? And I'm like, no one remembers <laughs> that scene better than her. She probably of watched it earlier today. <laughs> I mean, it's Saturday, right? So yeah, I probably did. <laughs> um, just an offshoot of that, though. Like, I know I'm going to go back to Million Dollar Baby in a minute, but f- since you guys talk about the whole someone who could do the rage, what do we think about Shia LaBeouf for that part? Hmm. You know what? I don't hate it. Um, I just think, yeah, I, I think he would either. do really well with that. Like he's so method, you know. Yeah, like, that's what. And, that's the peanut, what and in Peanut Butter Falcon, I, there were some moments there. I, he he, pro, I, I don't like, I don't dislike that choice. Honestly, the thing that would scare me about him though is that he would actually go get claws implanted in his arm. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he would take it a little too far, but he would do great. <laughs> he would claw people to death. Like, and I don't mean He'd that be in like, a bad it's way. for my role. He's, he's just, yeah, he's a very, like, he's very big on, like, being the character. I'm like, the motherfucker's going to murder people if he plays Wolverine. And he's super, like, well, I don't know if he is anymore, but he used to be real ripped, you know? Like, he was, he could be the, oh, he you could, know, he could play even, the even physically not, part. Yeah, he could easily do that in, like, five seconds, because that's what he would do. Yeah. 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 He would, yeah. He would, man. Honestly, man, he's, you he's talented. He's I think he's talented. It's either that or an unknown, like Sterling said, because when it comes to how you do the rage and how you do those intense moments, like you got to pick someone perfect for that. And I don't know. I just think he's Shia LaBeouf is such an intense person that a movie like that is something that he would shine in for sure. All right. This is going to sound a little weird, but honestly, I want Shia LaBeouf to play Moon Knight now because Moon Knight's got Moon Knight's got a lot of psychological issues. Yeah. Depending on what version of the comics you read, he has uh, DID, which is dissociative identity disorder. Or if you're playing like the old school Moon Knight, he talks to an Egyptian moon god. Um, but mm-hmm. he's all he's all about like vengeance. He's the uh, part of the retcon of Moon Knight is Conchu is the Egyptian god of vengeance. Not really. But so like vengeance, all this other stuff and like being kind of unhinged. And, you know, Moon Knight does these things where he's got these disguises where he he becomes other people. To like gain information, mm-hmm. like he drives he drives a cab uh, a taxi cab as a a guy he calls Jake Lockie, or uh, you know to like get information on what crime's going down and shit. And then he's got the millionaire persona of Steve Grant, and he's got his normal persona of Mark Spector. Um, and like I said, depending on what version you're talking about of him, 
uh, Kanju is a manifestation of his DID. Um, so I think actually Shia LaBeouf would knock the fuck out of that. He still might kill mm-hmm. somebody because Moon Knight kills people. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really kind yeah. of loving that now. I want him to be both. I want yeah. him to be both Wolverine and Moon Knight, even though that's not possible anymore. But and also, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's fine. I was just going to keep talking about Moon Knight. So, yeah, it's probably better that you interrupt me. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, um, I also don't hate Jake Gyllenhaal for Wolverine because I think he could do that intensity pretty well, too. Um, but but he can't. to bring it back to Million Dollar Baby, <laughs> what'd you say? But he can. He can't play Wolverine. He's already a character in the MCU. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying <laughs> he, he could be a good option. Um, but to bring it back to Million Dollar Baby, the only thing I would say, I do agree. Like, I, you know, I love Emma Stone. I, I think she's fantastic i love her um honestly when i think of that character though from million dollar baby honestly the first thing that came to mind for me was charlize theron i think she would kill that i think she would be amazing at that um yeah like she could take a punch she could throw a punch she would do the training like crazy i think she would be really good at that um so i think she would be a good option as if not emma stone i also don't think brie larson would be a bad option either no, I think that both of them are definitely capable. And in the movie, this she is an older woman that is trying to box. And that was one of the things they said. They're like, you're in your mid-30s and you want to learn boxing now. What do you expect to do? You know, that's a conversation that Frankie mm-hmm. has with Maggie in the movie. So, and those, and, and you know, Brie Larson's right there where you need to be. Um, Charlie Stern's a little older, but does not, but still looks like she could do the part. And yeah, I agree. She's, we know that she can be, be physical. So no, those are good choices too. I like those. Um, as an alternative, though, to something we haven't talked about that you brought up, uh, as an alternative to the director, I would say Ryan Coogler would be an amazing director for this. Oh, yeah, that'd I mean, be good. He did, he did From, Creed. Yeah, so. that's true. He did true. Creed. It's true. Um, so. But, oh, also to go back to something you brought up, though, Justin, with movies that Sylvester Stallone had directed, uh, I looked it up just so we, we can say for sure. He's directed eight movies. Um he did not direct the first Rocky, but he did direct Rocky's two, three, four. He did not direct five, which thank goodness. Um, yeah, thank God. <laughs> and then, and then he did direct the Rocky Balboa. He did direct six, so he did two, okay. three, four, and six. Um, okay, were the Rocky movies he directed? But also to round this off, I want to point out that he directed the Saturday Night Fever sequel, Staying Alive, which okay has nothing to do with staying alive other than his character's name is Tony and he dances. Yep. Pretty um, much. <laughs> I saw that and I was so angry, man. I was, cause so I remember, angry. I remember I'm the one that introduced you to Saturday night fever. Yeah. And I, which I loved the I mean, I, I made you sit down and watch it is what I did. Um, I didn't, yeah, you know, you knew what much. it was, but I'm the one that goes, no, Justin, you're going to sit down and watch this movie. Um, yeah. Utterly fantastic movie. And then you're like, Oh, there's a sequel. Awesome. And then you watch it and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that Sylvester Stallone is the one that did direct that movie. So I just wanted yeah. to point that out. But yeah, no, those were just some ideas I thought when you're like, who could direct a, a, a boxing movie? And I do agree. Sylvester Stallone or Martin Scorsese would work. I was just thinking if you're doing if you're doing a modern take on it or something like that, Ryan Coogler would be amazing because. Yeah. 
Creed is very much just a retelling of Rocky, but fuck, does it not feel fresh as fuck? <laughs> like, it's a remake of Rocky. That's all it is. But it feels like a totally different movie. It does. And it's very modernized. I think it's totally Coogler that does that. Yeah. And he's got a feel and an eye for how to modernize something and make it not feel ancient. You, you know, that, that's the thing. Like, Scorsese's definitely better when the film is about older times. So that is something that where you might even be able to argue uh, you'd rather have Kugler because he'd be able to modernize that story maybe better than Scorsese could. But uh, either one of those options is good. But no, uh, now that you say Kugler, I'm like, hell yeah, he did do Creed and he didn't immediately come to mind. But I can definitely see where you're going with that. Like, I don't dislike that choice either, honestly. Ooh, Justin. What about Tessa Thompson for the main character? Yeah, she could do it too. I mean, I mean, and Maggie, I guess there are a lot of people who could do Maggie Fitzgerald. (laughs) I mean, I guess there are, but no, I I don't dislike that choice either. Oh, for, uh, no, for, for Maggie, I'm, I'm saying he can play. Oh, for Maggie. Oh, you're being facetious. (laughs) I get it. Oh no, no. I legitimately believe he can play anything. He can play me in a movie. (laughs) It 100% he would nail it too. <laughs> it's believable, yes. <laughs> yes. But I'm just saying because like Tessa Thompson has that like tough exterior type of thing about her where you could see her being a boxer. You know what I mean? Like I just, I think she could do that role really well too. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And uh, just really quickly about Sly Stallone. And if I was really trying to be picky and go, okay, Clint Eastwood, he directed the film And he played the coach. So if it was one of those things where this was some sort of game with strict rules and whoever you pick to play the coach has to direct a movie in that scenario, Sly Stallone is the best choice. Oh, he has to Mm -hmm. then at that point. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, if I had, if it had to be, if the person uh, uh, had to do what Clint Eastwood exactly mirror image, what Clint Eastwood had to do, then yeah, he's the best choice. So yeah, it's all in how you look at it. Definitely. You know, no, no, definitely. All right. So are you guys ready for the movie that will blow your fucking mind? Uh Oh, let's go. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So I know I proposed the idea of like, Oh, pick a movie you think is perfect. And we recast that. And then, true to Sterling fashion, I did the exact opposite of that. Oh my I gosh. Picked an of course you did. Absolute garbage movie. Absolute garbage. Please and tell me it's Venom. No, it's not Venom. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. So it's weirdly worse than Venom. Um, but in doing so and recasting this, if you were to actually have the budget to get this cast and stuff like this, I think would automatically benefit this movie because this is a notoriously low budget movie. Um, it's a very recent movie we did called Velocipaster. <laughs> oh man here we go let me so pull think, up oh, this wow. let me pull up this cast list real quick <laughs> <laughs> so just by benefit of having a real cast means you have a real budget so i think some of the other problems that that movie has would just fall in line and be okay you know you could actually do special effects for the velocipaster and stuff like that um so i'm gonna start this off with your father doug jones and i looked up this name and it sounds like i'm mispronouncing this name and i'm not but Dacre Montgomery, uh, a lot of people know him as the guy with the mullet from Stranger Things, like that every like, you know, the bad boy. OK, um, that all the moms want to fuck uh, the little redheaded girl's brother or stepbrother or whatever. 
Yes. I don't yes. remember his character from Stranger Things name, but that guy also played the Red Ranger and Power Rangers, the, the reboot, um, which oddly enough, I realized after I came up with this cast, it's slightly a Power Rangers reunion because for Carol, you know, my doctor lawyer, uh, Hooker, Naomi Scott, who else would I fucking choose for anything? It's Naomi Scott. Nice. Also <laughs> played the Pink Rangers in the Power Rangers reboot. And then, and like I said, this was totally unintentional. I didn't realize this until afterwards. As Father Scott. Now, this is probably the biggest name on this list. As Father Scott, you know, our priest that fought in Vietnam, Brian Cranston, <laughs> who oddly yes. enough played Zordon huh. in Power Rangers reboot. Like huh. I said, I did not okay. realize this until afterwards because Dacre Montgomery was the last person I put in. And it's all because I tried to find people that in the in the movie were around the same age range. So I tried to find people that would fit that actual, like the age ranges relative to each other. But Dacre Montgomery was the last person I chose. And then afterwards, I'm like, holy fuck, that's like half the cast of Power Rangers. Um, but yeah, so Brian Cranston's Father Scott. Because I think if you actually had a budget and all this other stuff, dude, those Vietnam scenes would be amazing with Brian Cranston. You know, like. <laughs> You're right. They totally would. But he would also yeah. be funny. He can be serious and funny, you know. Yeah. He can do all that stuff. Um, yeah. So, you know, if I'm doing a Velocipasta recasting, I'm going to have to have a Frankie Mermaid. Of course, you have to. Oh, this and better I, be good. Christopher Mintz Plus. Wait, who is this? For Frankie Mermaid, Christopher Mintz Plus. McLovin from Superbad. Um, oh. He also, played, oh. he also played the bad guy, good guy turned bad guy in Kick-Ass. Uh, he was also in Neighbors. Oh, um, man. But he can be that, that yep. asshole pimp. That is my spirit <laughs> animal of Frankie Mermaid. That's amazing. I was just trying to think of people that could say those lines that he said. And get away with it. <laughs> yeah. And Chris Furman's plots is that person to me. Um, so that's amazing. I, I had to cast a Sam, the white ninja. And this might be the second biggest name that actually people know. He's not technically a huge actor, but people know this person. Um, I thought Evan Peters, a lot of people know him from American horror story. Yeah. Or yes. Quicksilver from the X-Men movies. Um, I yep. think he'd be a fantastic forgotten little brother. <laughs> he would be perfect, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it. And Justin, Justin's really going to know this person. And he might hate that I chose him for this role. But I had to do uh, a Wei Chan, the, the bad guy of the Christian ninja drug dealers, their leader. <laughs> and I was thinking, Man. who would really be a good person for that role? I chose Donnie Yen. Oh, um, Ipmon. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, he's also, he's also going to be in Mulan. Um, something like, you know, stuff like that. But I think he'd be fantastic in that too. Um, you know, I, cause I wanted to pick somebody that, you know, actually had martial arts skill. And like, that's the thing is all these people like, well, I don't necessarily know about Evan Peters, but like Dacre Montgomery actually does know some martial arts from doing power Rangers. So some of the stuff towards the end of the movie, you know, or some of the scenes where he doesn't completely transform and he fights people, he'd be able to actually do those scenes. Um, like there's weirdly thought that went into the recasting Velocipaster. Um, same with Naomi Scott as Carol, because you wouldn't think that a doctor lawyer hooker would know martial arts and would have to fight some ninjas. <laughs> but according to Velocipaster, that happened. Like I said, Naomi Scott, she was in Charlie's Angels. She was in uh, the Power Rangers reboot. She knows some martial arts, at least enough to get away with it in a movie. 
that's why I chose her for that. And like I said, I was going to choose her regardless. I think ultimately I was thinking of what movie could I recast to make sure I could recast Naomi Scott in this movie. (laughs) Um, But no, I really, really thought about this and I've, I, I wish I had kept some honorable mentions or whatever, like, you know, you guys did and all this other stuff. I didn't because I was just doing this on a notepad on my phone. And so I was just like, I would think of somebody and I'd write their name in. And then I'd be like, then I'd look up their age. And I'm like, no, the age difference is too much. So no to that person. And then, so then like I, I was going through all those things and then like, you know, and I was just deleting. So I can't, I don't even remember half the people I chose for some of this stuff because I would end up deleting them and, you know, just uh, putting someone else's name like for four or five times. I think the only two that didn't change, I think, were Naomi Scott and uh, and uh, Donnie Yen. I think were the only two I didn't change after I cast them. But yeah, no, that that see, mine's way shorter because I've only got like a handful of people and I didn't do a director because this guy wrote and directed Velocipaster. So I think, you know, it's ultimately it's his brainchild. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't want to change that because, you know, he wrote it. So like let him direct it. Um, I'm just thinking, like I said, if you're having this type of cast in this movie, that means you have a budget. And so I just think that means it's going to fix all the other problems. And it starts with this cast because I think all of them can bring those lines. Like I, I would love to hear Naomi Scott talk about being a doctor, look, a lawyer hooker or a lawyer, doctor hooker. <laughs> How the fuck you want to phrase it? Like, I would love that. I want to see that in a movie. But yes, mine was vastly smaller and quicker than y'all's um, because, yeah, I just went the exact opposite direction with it. And I mean, it's not really like a real way to really break this down, because like, like I said, my thought processes with some of this were a little different. Like there were times like I'm like, oh, this person would be great as Doug Jones. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, that would throw off all the age ranges and it'd be weird. You know, like it picks me like they'd be great. But then you really think about it like it, like those scenes where he's transforming into like the the, the Velocipaster, like instantly that pops in my head is Mark Ruffalo. You know, because you've seen some of that stuff with the Hulk and stuff like that from the Marvel mm-hmm. movies. But then I'm thinking, no, he's vastly older. Like, it wouldn't work because, like, he would be older or as old as any potential Father Scott. So I'm like, no, I have to change that around. Like, you can't do that. And that's why I ended up on Dacre is because a lot of the scenes in especially season three of Stranger Things, where the, the mind flayer is, like, fucking with his head and stuff. And, you know, those type of transitional things his character did. Because of, now while it wasn't directly like a physical transformation, but those like mental transformations his character would do that would affect him physically is ultimately why I decided on Dacre. Plus, it's a really fun name to say is Dacre. And I looked it up and that is the correct, correct pronunciation, by the way. Just in case anybody was wondering, it is Dacre because it's Acre with a D in the front of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean... I definitely like Dacre for that because, first of all, I actually think that he needs to be in more things because he's actually really great. Um, He was like the sneaky favorite of mine in the last season of Stranger Things. He was amazing. But yeah, um, that would be an interesting choice for sure. And like, I'm just thinking about his dynamic with like Brian Cranston now because of those scenes they have. And I just think, uh, yeah, I'm on board with that. Naomi Scott... Absolutely, 100%. I'm like, yeah, that's totally something she could do and would be amazing to see. Um, Frankie Mermaid, though, I feel like he was a little bit older than that guy, McLovin. But I get it, and I, I, I don't know if he was. I felt like he was. 
you know he is but like you just like let him grow out his hair and then you just kind of thin out the top so it's bald <laughs> i was just really yeah. thinking about the way he would deliver the lines no that's true because i that's a like that's a dark horse option but i really like it actually because i was thinking more of like a like a Jeff Bridges type situation for Frankie Mermaid. Jeff Bridges could not say the things he said. That's true. Yeah. McLovin guy, he can do it. And it would be like, yeah, I, it's just as amazing <laughs> as when other Frankie Mermaid said it. Yeah, and it's mainly what really influenced my decision to cast him in it was his roles in Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2 <laughs> and uh, Neighbors. His characters Honestly, in those movies are why I really think he could do Frankie Mermaid. <laughs> I get that. And honestly, I think Evan Peters might be the most perfect choice you picked of all of these. Like that makes total sense to me. And even just like similar physically how they look like I can totally see that. And just being the creepy guy, just in the very back of the car, listening in on conversations. Like (laughs) I definitely, I get it. I am, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see those scenes where the camera pans and it's just Evan Peters in the trunk of a car or Evan (laughs) Peters standing in the doorway of the kitchen. Eating cereal. Yeah. I don't hate it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, good. Definitely. It's a good job. Uh, Are you flummoxed, Justin? everybody. Huh? Are you flummoxed? You sound a little flummoxed. Oh, no. I'm good. Um, I, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is not like, uh, <laughs> this is not a movie I think about all the time. So it's kind of interesting kind of trying to pick uh uh, certain people for it, but for the Doug Jones character, somebody which, I mean, maybe he's too old for this role, but if he was a little younger, I could totally see him doing that. But uh, the first person that comes to mind when, when I think of that role is Mark Wahlberg. I think that, man, if he was a little bit younger, he could nail that because he's done that funny kind of stuff like uh, like this uh, Doug Jones character was doing. He would have the muscles and the build that that role would require. And I don't know. I feel like the in the comedy movies that Wahlberg does, it's that it's it's a similar kind of demeanor and self-aware comedy. I think he's done that before. So I could totally see like if Mark Wahlberg now, you know, there's an age gap there, like about eight or nine years, I would think I think, or maybe even more than that. I'm not sure oh, how more than that, old Greg Cohen is. I'm not sure how old he is, but man, if he was a little bit younger, I think he could totally nail that. Like, well, you made me, you made me remember one of my people. And one of the people I was kind of thinking for Doug Jones was Justin Hartley. Um, people would know yep, him yeah. from This Is Us or uh, he played the Green Arrow in Smallville. I can see it. Yep. Um, I was thinking him for part of it, but I'm like, he's just, and he doesn't look like it. I know he doesn't look like it at all. But he's like so much older than Naomi Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like 15 at least years older. Yeah, I think it's 15 years older. And I was like, no, I want to try to keep like because in the, in, in the movie Velociraptor, it's not directly stated, but it's kind of implied that like Carol and, and Doug Jones are kind of around the same age, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was just trying to keep things like that similar. Otherwise, yeah, that would be a good option. I can see him doing that role. Yeah, but yeah. And then I was thinking. I was trying to figure out a way to put Lakeith Stanfield in it, but I just I couldn't <laughs> find the more you know <laughs> quite where he would go with it. Just um, make him the the magic guy that you know did the seance whatever thing. 
Just oh, completely Alistair. change him so and make if, him that if, guy. If we want to do, if we do want to cast an Alistair, we could do Lakeith Stanfield or that. Because um, it, it's a very small role. Because you could even get away with a cameo. You could get someone like super <laughs> big to do it. Because it's such a small role, you could almost do it as a cameo. And I think the king of crazy cameos like that that would be perfect for that would be Matt Damon. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm down for some Matt Damon. No one does a cameo like Matt Damon. I mean, say what you will about the movie Eurotrip. That Matt Damon cameo is magic. <laughs> about which movie? The movie Eurotrip. <laughs> Eurotrip. Oh. With the whole Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah that's That perfect. is a magic cameo. His uh, <laughs> cameo in Thor uh, Ragnarok. Awesome. Nobody, just nobody does a cameo like Matt Damon. So I think Alistair would be a perfect cameo role because he's in it for what, two, three minutes? Two or three minutes. Yeah, totally. And you could just have Matt Damon and that crazy hair and makeup wearing like a weird robe thing with all these like nails painted and all these rings and and necklaces and like piercings and stuff. (laughs) Eyeliner or something. Yeah. Also, I mean, I don't know how you feel about the Sterling, but what about Lakeith as Frankie Mermaid? I see it. I'm not (laughs) against it. I'm not, not at all. Not that I don't like your choice. I'm just saying a role that he could do that kind of fits with like, you know, I don't know. All right, fine. Something he would, that would be different. Lakeith Stanfield is Frankie Mermaid. Done. (laughs) We'll scrap. Because then your spirit animal, your spirit animal, plus your favorite actor of all time, apparently together in one. Pretty much. Yeah, we might as well. Lakeith Stanfield is Frankie Mermaid. Done. Because he's swimming in bitches. And I want to see. I, <laughs> Sorry, you're right. I, no, you're you're saying that. I I want to see uh, Lakeith Stanfield say that line. He the thing is he he could pull it off. Like he would be real smooth with it for real, though. You know. <laughs> and I I do think it'd be great when he's telling you know Dacre Montgomery about how he blew up his parents. <laughs> yeah. Nope you're 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 not wrong on that. I mean, yeah. No, I agree with that. Plus, then you um, have a movie with Naomi Scott and Lakeith Stanfield, which is always good. Yep. Nope. I, uh, I'm already sold. You don't <laughs> got to keep selling me. It's done. In case the in case the listeners still needed a little incentive, you know, I needed to say Man, that. Fuck that. They should know. <laughs> so, all right, real quick, Justin, just for you, since mine was a little short, I'm going to do a real quick off the top of my head on the spot casting of Venom real quick. Okay? Oh, okay. Nice. All right. So for Eddie Brock, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what's his name? Jensen Ackles. Hmm. Uh, isn't that his name? Hmm. What's his name? From Supernatural. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, you're talking about from, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Jensen Adkles as an Eddie Brock. All right. Just to keep it on theme. So for, for, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ann Wayne, which was Michelle Williams character. Uh, just for keeping things on theme for today, I'm going to say Naomi Scott. Cause fuck it. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't hate that though. I really don't. I really don't either. All right, Carlton Drake, who was played by Riz Ahmed. So the bad guy of the film. So we're kind of looking for somebody in a suit, um, looking very kind of dapper in that, but then would be kind of an imposing villain. You know, for that, and I'm basing this solely off of his potential in Fast and the Furious 9, I'm going to go John Cena. Hmm. I really thought you were going to say Lakeith. <laughs> I think John Cena will be a good villain in Fast and the Furious 9. Yeah, so I, I agree. could see him in this kind of being the charming billionaire saying all the right things about how he wants to save the world and all this stuff. We're looking all dapper in a suit because we, we all know John Cena can look dapper in a suit. Yep. True that. 
But then think about how big he would be as Riot. Yeah. Because Eddie Brock <laughs> in the comics is massive, and that's why he's, Venom is so much bigger than Spider-Man. So if you really want to have that physically imposing opposition to like a Jensen Atkins, uh Eddie Brock, John Cena would be perfect for that. You would really have how big Riot would be compared to Venom then at that point. Show how much more physically imposing he would be because it would more mirror John Cena. I like that. That's tight. That's a good pick. I think my, like, just to give someone a little different for that role, um, Daniel Kaluuya, I think, would be good. I think he's an excellent villain, and he's, yeah, I could see him doing that. No, we'll, we'll use him. I've got a better character for him, though. Okay. Now, this one's going to break some rules, and it might make some comic members happy, or, I mean, very angry with it, because I'm going to break uh, a traditional race of a character. Uh, you might have to tweak the name a little bit, but Daniel Kaluuya is Cletus Cassidy. Hmm. Mm. Have Carnage. him be okay. Carnage. Okay. So instead of Woody Harrelson with a weird fucking wig, I'd have Daniel Kaluuya <laughs> be Carnage then. I like okay. it. Okay. Because, like, especially kind of at the end of his episode of Black Mirror, and a lot of the stuff he kind of played in, in Get Out, uh, and he's, he's done a couple of other movies where he's like a, a thug. Oh, the, 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 the Widows. Isn't it Widows? Isn't Widows. He in Widows? Yeah, where he, yep. plays, he plays, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, a ruthless killer. Yeah. Yeah. He can kind of play that unhingedness with it. Yep. And I know I, I, I know I'm taking a very pale redheaded character and now making him a black man. <laughs> but I think I can right. see it. I'd be I'd, I'd be OK with it if they were like uh, Woody Harrelson had to drop out. Daniel Clue is now Cletus Cassidy. I'd be like, OK, cool. Um, <laughs> I think that that would work. I just think he'd be I think he could play a different aspect to it and bring it like a different type of of unhingedness. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be the way he would do it, I think would be a little bit more disturbing with it because I wouldn't want, I know Cletus Cassidy in the comics sometimes can be very uh, manic. There, there are times that carnage kind of mirrors the Joker, you know, just kind of very over the top with some of his things mm-hmm. with his unhingedness. I think a scarier version of carnage is that cold unhingedness. And I think Daniel Kaluuya could play that very well. So essentially like um, the Heath Ledger type of Joker, he would play as the. Yeah, it, it would be that character. version of the Joker. It's very okay. cold, very detached. I like, like I kill a bunch of people because I give zero fucks. I like I it. Don't, I would rather it be that version of Carnage instead of, oh, I enjoy it. No, I kill people because I do not care. Mm-hmm. I think that person is scarier than the, oh, haha, I'm crazy. I kill people. Mm hmm. Like, killing people makes me happy. Woo. Like, then there's still emotion, you know? And when you have emotion in it, you have to rationalize that if they can be happy about something, then they can be sad about something or they can be mad about something. If they're so detached, they just don't care. Like, true sociopath level detached. That's infinitely scarier to me. Because, like, you've got no shot to appeal to anything. You can appeal to somebody who enjoys something. You might be able to even enjoy, like, join their side. Because you agree with them. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's detached, they're like, oh, you want to join me? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just kill you because they do not care. Even if that hurts yeah. their own chances. Because they don't care, they'd still do it. And to me, that's a scarier villain. And I think would be a more interesting version of Carnage, especially cinematically. Mm. So fuck it, Daniel Kaluuya. Tight. I like Tight. it. Yeah. So there we and go. If that was mad me. About it if, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so there we go. That was me. Within the span of, I don't know, what, five minutes, just looking at things and just thinking out of Venom recasting. 
Now, well, what about the uh, the guy that plays Michelle Williams' significant other in the movie? Because he was the um, only like really believable character <laughs> in Venom. Okay, so we chose. Okay, so I chose Naomi Scott. Um, so the other side of that, let's go. So we have to go with somebody slightly wholesome, um, or just what would be perceived as an in general nice guy. Um, and this one, I'm not. The age ranges on this are all fucked on this, but I'm going to say, let's go with a Matt uh, Broner, like you were talking about earlier. Let's go with him. Mm, okay. Um, I guess the last person we should technically recast in this would be the uh, the doctor lady. Oh, um, yeah. Jenny uh, Slate's character. Yeah, Jenny Slate's character. So if we're going to go Jenny Slate, you know what? Fuck it. Just because we said it earlier, Gina Rodriguez. Okay. Nailed it. Just because I cool. want to throw her in something. Or, or an Emma Stone. You know, actually, yeah. I, I, I don't think Emma Stone would be a bad on um, Anne Wang either, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, she wouldn't be. Yeah, especially with kind of the uh, the tone of that movie. Yeah, she could fit that for sure. Another person I will throw in the ring that we did say earlier, at least mentioned, was uh, Stephanie Beatrice for the Doctor character. I could see Stephanie Beatrice as, uh, as that character, too. Jess, and she's also in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, in case you didn't know who yeah. that was. I mean, if we really wanted to, I could do this whole cast with nothing but Brooklyn Nine-Nine people. I mean, you would <laughs> that have... That would be amazing. <laughs> you'd have uh, uh, Andy Samberg as, as your Venom, okay? Uh, I mean, Terry Crews would have to be uh, the bad guy. Terry Crews would have to be Carlton Drake mm-hmm. um, in that case. Let's see. So we do... We Andre do Brower features. needs to be Cletus. Uh, see, it'd be, so you would have, see, now I have to go back and forth between both of these whole things. And that's a lot of back and forth. Um, so Terry Crews would have to be Carlton Drake. I mean, uh, Melissa, uh, Famero, she would have to be Anne, but mm-hmm. Joe, Joe Lo, uh, Tigilio, I think he'd almost be an interesting Cletus Cassidy also. Hmm. Just cause okay. he, he, I mean, he plays weird characters, but I mean, it'd be, it'd be between him and, uh, Andre Brower. Definitely is, you know, one of those two playing that. Oh, nope, nope, you're wrong. It'd be Mark Evan Jackson. Mark Evan Jackson would play Cletus Cassidy. Um, Who's that? He plays Kevin in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, oh, yep. And Justin, you would know this guy, too. Um, he, oddly enough, he played Chris Wallace in Bombshell, and Heather's the one that pointed that out to us. Uh, I'm just trying to think of something you would have seen him in, okay. but you would have seen him in stuff. Yeah, okay. He's been in a billion okay. things. You've seen him, you know. He'd yeah, be a great yeah. Cletus Cassidy. He would. Oh be. yeah, I can even see in, that. Even yeah. in my other cast, I know we said Daniel Kaluuya, but I think Mark uh, Mark Evan Jackson would be an amazing Cletus because he could be that hate... detached yep, version of it too. That's true. If we wanted to go the insane, like I enjoy it route, um, Jason Manzukas <laughs> would do a good job. Oh, oh, Jason Manzukas. If you want to go the crazy unhinged. Just like manic version of Cletus Cassidy. Yes, you were absolutely right. Yeah. Jason Manzukis is that in a heartbeat, which you also know that guy too, Justin. Yes. You yes. see, you watch Parks and Rec, right, Justin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. Uh, so. he's the perfume guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I can totally. But yes. The, so that was two very different recastings of Venom uh, done over the span of 10 minutes. Um, oh, that was definitely interesting. Um. So yeah, guys, do you guys want to get into some of the ones that, uh, like a, a, a good fan one that someone brought up, like what's, uh, 
one of the fan responses where it's one that like stood out to you, good or bad? Like what's something that stood out? Uh, Jasmine, we'll start with you. Um, sure. Although I hope we get to my Kill Bill one because I really, really, really want to do that. But um, let me get to that post here. I thought I had it up, but I might have dropped it. Um, just some of the ones that stood out to me. Well, maybe we can talk about this one um, a little bit first. Uh, a guy wanted to, um, had chosen to do a Fantastic Four recasting, and I'm almost there. Oh, I mean, I could tell you what his casting was. Sure, sure. If you got it up, yeah, sure. So, I mean, for that, I know he did John Krasinski as your Mr. Fantastic. He did Kristen Stewart as your Invisible Woman, your Sue Storm. I don't remember his Johnny Storm off the top of my head, but I'll know it in just a second. But he did do John Cena as your uh, your thing, the Ben Grimm of it all. And he did uh, Ian Summerhald as your Doctor Doom. And I really thought I could say all that slow enough to catch up to this, but I, now I have found it. Oh, and Zac Efron as Johnny Storm. I don't know how I forgot that. But Zac Efron as Johnny Storm. So those were the four or I say four, I'm sorry, the five that he chose for a casting of a Fantastic Four. Okay, cool. And I guess uh, I just that uh, we had, um, we're, when we were looking over this, we had kind of commented over it earlier, but uh, we all thought that, um, and I mean, you said this, Sterling, just about the fact that, you know, we, we know by now, and if you haven't known, then um, it's a good time to talk about it. But there are rumors, and I know that there's been kind of reports, and I'm not sure if anything is like super confirmed or not. But I know that John Krasinski is in talks with Marvel, and people have already been speculating that he's probably going to play Reed Richards. And I know that you had said, Sterling, well, so uh, which is fine i mean we could see him playing that role but if sue storm's gonna be in it why not just have it be his wife you know why not just have emily blunt play that character rather than a Kristen stewart and i do agree with that now that you said that i just wanted our listeners to hear that argument yeah i mean and and it has everything to do with the fact that also it's emily blunt like amazing actress so yeah. it's not mm-hmm. like you're like sacrificing anything, you know, to have an Emily Blunt in there. And don't get me wrong, right. if push came to shove, could Kristen Stewart do it? Sure. I've got no doubt that she could probably play that role. It's just, if you got a shot to get an Emily Blunt, do you get it? Like You do it, you, yeah. You, you take a <laughs> shot, you know. And what better way to do that to be than with John Krasinski? You know what I mean? Like, they're already married. They've done a movie together. They were fantastic in that movie together. They have amazing chemistry on and off the screen because I do know that yeah. has been a problem in the past. Whenever you do have a husband and wife, sometimes team up in a movie, they might have amazing chemistry off the screen, but it doesn't always translate on screen. One, mm-hmm. one real big instance of that is, or was Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it. if you've just watched Eyes Wide Shut, you would not think they're actually married <laughs> or were actually married, you know, because yeah, that type of chemistry point. is hard to develop, you know, and we know they have it. They've got it on camera. They've got it off camera. It's just it's perfect. It's just like that's like a stars aligned thing. Yeah. Like it's just it, it works. And then you could have like a Zac Efron as a, a Johnny Storm, a John Cena as a Ben Grimm. Um, I think that that's a slightly smarter choice than the rock uh, just because that's a little too on the nose. 
You can't have The Rock playing a rock guy. It's just <laughs> a little too on the nose. Um, yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I like Dwayne Johnson for it, but yeah, I get that point. Yeah. And it's just, and it, for Ian Summerholder, I mean, to me, my issue with him is I don't believe that him and John Krasinski went to college together. I mean, and you don't have to go that route because you can change how one of them becomes what or whatever. That's fine. You don't have to have them going to college together. But that was kind of a big thing with the Fantastic Four. You know, they knew each other. And I just, I don't buy that with him and John Krasinski. And unfortunately, like, I think Ian Somerhalder would be a good Doctor Doom in a Fantastic Four movie that wasn't the MCU. Like if Fox hmm, I was get doing that. another one. I yeah, think it would. I get that. But if you're doing MCU, you're not going to kill off Doctor Doom. You're going to have Doctor Doom play a reoccurring role in the MCU. And I just don't know if I buy him being Doctor Doom going up against a Captain Marvel or, yeah. uh, you know, Captain America and all this other stuff. I don't know if I buy him as that Doctor Doom. That's a really great point because, oh, I just want to expand on that point. Like, that's a great point because, like you said, if you're going to recast somebody for this role, you got to think this person is not just in this movie. This person has to interact with, like you said, all those other superheroes and everything like that. So I would think if, you know, if you're going to cast Dr. Doom, it would have to be somebody that has that unbelievable screen presence. Just somebody who's probably got some veteran abilities, who's not going to be overshadowed when he's next to any of those heroes. You know, he's going to have to have a screen presence to match those people. So that that's a very, very good point, you know, that I think a lot of people don't think about when they think about this stuff. But I do have good, two good alternatives. And they're oddly enough, they're right around the same age as John Krasinski, which means that we would have gone to school together, all this other stuff. Um, I would say maybe Michael Fassbender, because we don't have to worry about him being Magneto anymore. That's true. Mm -hmm. I think he could be a good Dr. Doom because he can also just speak German. So I know that he's from Latveria, not Germany, but with Dr. Doom, not Michael Fassbender. But you could give him a slight accent like he can do that, you know, because he already, you know, since he can speak fluent German, he can kind of go into that. Um, hmm. Another person I thought of, and it's just pure coincidence um, that they're both uh, named Michael, but it'd be Michael Shannon. Hmm. All three of these guys are within two years apart in age. So that's how I know this work. Um, with, uh, I'm talking about with John Krasinski. Um, but Michael Shannon, I could see him being that sweet dictator to his people that they love, which is kind of a thing that Doom has, but also that overly egotistical rage monster that wants to destroy the world like Doom. I think he can do easily both. Yeah. I really like both of those choices because if I was going to pick a Dr. Doom, I, I would want, I, I, I really just want, and this may not happen or not. It's not like I can make this happen or anything, but I, I would want somebody who could carry their own movie. Like, I feel like if Marvel ever does a solo movie with a villain to kind of develop that villain, where it's just about this villain and how he becomes this person Either one of those two actors could carry 
that role of Dr. Doom and keep you engaged throughout the movie, seeing him become this person, because I feel like Dr. Doom deserves his own movie. I would love to just see him get a solo before you integrate him into the rest of the superheroes. And either one of those two actors could totally do that movie. You know what I mean? I would just love to see either one of them in that role. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, when, like talking about Dr. Doom, that sounds, yeah, I mean, that would be a good movie. I don't know why it came to mind, but Tom Ellis, who plays Lucifer, I think he would be good. He would be. Or, I, I, can, I can see what you mean, especially with him, because Dr. Doom's relationship with his people in his country, in a lot of ways, he's very charming with them. Mm-hmm. Um, he is very authoritarian, but like, you know, there's like instance in the comics where I don't remember who it was. I actually think it's, I think it's Sue and Reed's daughter is actually at Doom's castle by herself. And like, he's going off about something. And then he's like, do you want ice cream? Like to this little girl, <laughs> you know? And I really wish I remembered the exact quote of the comic, but he does bring up ice cream to this like little girl and stuff. And he calls himself like, she mm-hmm. calls him like uncle doom because <laughs> it is. And it totally fits because as weird as it is that Dr. Doom is the arch nemesis of the fantastic four. They also have this weird familial relationship with him. Mm. Like he, he might want to destroy the Fantastic Four, but at the same time, he's not going to go and like kill their kids, you know, even though Franklin Richards is one of the most powerful beings in all of comics. Um, but like his daughter, like their daughter is like knows him as Uncle Doom, you know, because they know even they know no matter what Dr. Doom's not going to like torture her or murder her or do anything bad to her because she is an innocent little girl, you know, and I kind of do see Tom Ellis being able to do that, especially because I mean, he does it all the time in Lucifer. And he does also the rage aspects of it. Um, I mean, it's just he does rely on charm a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I, I, I don't know if that would translate well to Doom in general. There are aspects of Doom that do have that. And it's Definitely. interesting when you, when you talk about um, more about like specific character qualities of Doom. Uh, it, uh, I don't know why, but it made me think a little bit of Jojo Rabbit. Um, Taika Waititi. I think that would be kind of fun to see him do that character. That would work in like a weird standalone Dr. Doom film. Yeah. Or like a weird, like there have been talks about doing a fantastic Four film set in the 1960s and yes, have it being very campy and just very 1960s ish with, you know how they did things on TV and stuff like that. Have the movie be like that. I think Taika Waititi would be an amazing doom in that mm-hmm. where he's more on the campy side of things. Um, yeah. It would. Yeah, I, I think that that would work very well in that. Um, or like if they did, like if they did do a version of that, because they could do a version of it where they do a 1960s Fantastic Four. And the, the whole idea is you do the 1960s Fantastic Four and have it very much look and feel like the 1960s. Like I said, even like with the way Doom would be portrayed would be a very campy Dr. Doom. But the idea of it is at the end of the movie, they get sucked through a dimensional portal which is, they've done a billion times because they go, go to the negative zone all the time. And then they end up in the MCU. Mm. And I think that that would be interesting if they did that and they had a Taika Waititi campy Dr. Doom, but then they get sucked through the, the portal and now they're in the modern MCU. And a Dr. Doom <laughs> does exist. He just hasn't fought the Avengers. He's just sitting in Latveria. Mm. And then all of a sudden you can have it be like a Michael Fassbender Dr. Doom. Yeah. And it'd yeah. be different. Um. I think if you wanted to do a version of both where say Dr. Doom gets sucked through the portal too, and now he's in the MCU, but 
his mentality has changed. It's no longer campy. It's not like now he's serious. I think then that's when you would have Tom Ellis really have a shot because he could be kind of a campier version of Dr. Doom in that version and then a, a more serious Dr. Doom, in the, you know, in the MCU itself. Mm, it really just depends yeah. on how you want to like spitball it and stuff. Mm, okay. um, but yeah, it's, it, it really depends on how, what version of the Fantastic Four. Like I said, if you're doing a strictly campy 1960s crazy psychedelic color fest, Taika Waititi is the perfect Dr. Doom. <laughs> You know, because he could do something and get foiled by the Fantastic Four and then stomp his feet and go, Drats, the Fantastic Four got me again. Yeah, right. You know, it, I, I actually think that'd be great and hilarious. And I would love to see Taika Waititi do that. <laughs> um, but I mean, and that's the hardest problem about it, though, is Dr. Doom. Is I almost agree with you, Justin. If you're going to do Dr. Doom, I feel like you have to have a Dr. Doom movie. Yeah. Because I don't think there is a villain in the Marvel Universe that is as complex as Dr. Doom. Yeah. You need a movie. You need, he needs an entire movie to tell that story because it's a great story and it's got a little bit of everything. There's tragedy, there's love, there's all this gray area with him and, and what decision to make and things like that. And then, I mean, his resolve to become what he is and the rise to becoming a dictator, that needs its own movie. I just don't know how you can really get that over unless it's its own movie the the headache of trying to ha tell that effectively whilst developing your heroes at the same time that that just seems impossible to me just looking at it you know and also like how john wickian he is with his just sheer force of will i mean yes he's gone back in time to like learn magic from morgana lafay and you know to fight the devil to save his mom's soul and I mean, there's a version of him in the Fantastic Four that was transported back to the beginning of time. And by sheer force of will, he survived millennia and eons to now just to beat this guy. This, this guy that was called the master. But he survived since the beginning of Earth to now just to beat this man. And it was just sheer force of will that he did it. Like... It's and yes, he does have black magic. That's why he's able to like live that long and stuff like that. And he, he is a genius too. like, like that's the thing about him. He like I said with this complexity, he knows black magic. He's I mean, he is a genius on the level in a lot of ways of of a Reed Richards and a Tony Stark. It's just the problem with him is his ego. It's even more so yeah. than, than Tony Stark. You know, there was an accident that caused him to like be horribly disfigured when he was working on a project with Reed Richards and he could not at all fathom that it was his fault, even though it was Reed Richards was right. He was wrong. He did it his way disfigured, you know, but he couldn't fathom that it was his fault. It was Reed's Reed ruined it, you know, things like that. I mean, it's, but like you said, he's just so complex because then also like the way he is with the people of his country, you know, while he is, yes, a dictator, there are a lot of examples though, that his people love him. Like, it's not even that they love him because they're scared. They genuinely love him because Latveria mm. is always a, it's like a successful country under him. Like, he brings prosperity. He does it with an iron fist, no pun intended. But he still brings prosperity nonetheless. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there a story 
where he was able to pick up Thor's hammer or he was able to wear the Infinity Gauntlet. It was one of those, but the reason why, I want to say it was the hammer. Like, he was able to pick up Mjolnir because, and it was a shocking thing, but really, it's because he is, he does have the answer to save society. It's like, what he's trying to do what he's actually trying to do. He believes so much in what he's trying to do or his goal or whatever, that he is a worthy person because of, because what he wants to accomplish and his way to get there will actually work in some sort of way. Like, wasn't there like a story or was it a what if or something where he was, where out of all the people, he was the most worthy or something like that. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he has wielded the Infinity Gauntlet several times. Um, and I do know for a while he was obsessed with uh, uh, with trying to get Thor's hammer. And he, he has been able to lift it. Uh, I do know at one point he did get Thor's hammer. And it's weird because if you really think about it, there are several comic book characters that should just be able to pick up Thor's hammer. Because it's ye be worthy shall, uh, shall have the power of Thor. Spider-Man should be able to pick up Thor's hammer. He was a fucking yeah. teenager who was putting his life on the line all almost every day to just help people in his neighborhood. How is that not worthy of being yeah. Thor? You know, like Dr. Doom legitimately wants a better world. Exactly. His yeah. means to an end or what, are, what is always fucks him up. That's why everybody thinks he's evil because to him, it's there's no cost too big to have a better world. You know, billions of people can die. And that's fine as long as we get to that end game. It's kind of like Thanos in a lot of ways, at least in the MCU. You know, half the universe yeah. should die so that the other half can live. Doctor Doom is kind of a version of that. But yeah, I, I don't see any logical reason why Doctor Doom actually wouldn't be able to pick up Thor's hammer. Because if he had Thor's hammer, maybe he could make a better world without killing a bunch of people. He could change the means to get to the end, you know? Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah. it's like, it's like you think about it, like fucking Iron Man should be able to pick up Thor's hammer. He's a, a, a philanthropist who is a normal person who puts his life on the line against intergalactic beings and godlike people. How is that not worthy enough to pick up Thor's hammer? Like, that's altruistic as fuck. So <laughs> I've never really understood the, 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 the logic behind Thor's hammer. It seems a little weird to me. Like, why wouldn't Hawkeye be able to pick up Thor's hammer in Age of Ultron? He is a regular human being that will fight aliens with a bow and arrow. That is courage as a motherfucker. <laughs> that is altruism as a motherfucker. That is virtuous shit. Virtuitous as shit. Like, why the <laughs> fuck couldn't Hawkeye pick up that hammer? Why wouldn't he be worthy? It's not... They, in, the, in the MCU, up until when Captain America picks it up, they very much make it seem like it's... If you're powerful like Thor, you can pick up this hammer. That's why Vision can do it. Because he's essentially the embodiment of an Infinity Stone. But, like, that's not really it. It's not it's like, why can Hela pick it up? Why whenever Thor threw it, could Hela grab it and pick it up or and hold it? Are you saying she was worthy of being Thor? Cause she could catch it and keep it in the air. It makes no sense. That's a good question. Worthy <laughs> of being Thor. Like if you're worthy, there's different levels of worthiness, you know? So, I mean, but yeah, that's why it, it does not, it, it didn't surprise me. Like in the comics that doom can pick up the hammer because his end goal is not a bad thing. He wants, a better world. He wants a utopian society. 
Mm -hmm. He wants it to be based on his image and he wants to do it at, you know, any cost, which is bad. But his end game is not, you know, utopia is not a bad goal, (laughs) you know, when you're a leader. But yeah, that's why he is worthy of the hammer. And I think always would be, you know. And so I think a lot of people in the comics would be worthy of it. Like Batman should be able to pick it up. He's just a regular fucker fighting people. You know, it's just weird sometimes with how they deem who's worthy and who's not. But I think on like the strictest version of it, I think Dr. Doom would still be good. I think he'd still be able to pick it up because even if it's power or anything, I think there's zero reason why Dr. Doom wouldn't be able to pick it up. I think there's zero reason why Dr. Doom wouldn't be able to get it and enchant it with his own magic to say, if you're Dr. Doom, you can pick this up and no one else. (laughs) Shoot, I, 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 I would buy that too in a heartbeat. And that's why that character is so awesome. And that's why he needs his own damn movie. Yeah. And also, I want to throw into there, because we're still talking about the one Fantastic Four one. I have said it once, and I've said it, I'll say it again. And I will say it every time it ever comes up until it can't be brought up anymore because of something else. Like Namor's already cast, or Henry Golding's cast in another Marvel role. Henry Golding is Namor, damn it. There's no one better to play him. <laughs> and I will die on that molehill, too. Like, Henry Golding is Namor and you can never make me think otherwise until they cast someone else. And then I guess I'll have to accept that they're Namor, but nope. Henry Golding is Namor hands down. Always. I need it in my life. So another fan one that I saw that I kind of wanted to mention, cause I thought it was a good one is, uh, someone brought up a recast of face off and they said that, ca- yeah, Joel, um, and he was saying for Caster Troy, do Michael B. Jordan. Sean Archer would be John David Washington. Pollux Troy would be Donald Glover. And the prison guard Walton would be Idris Elba. And then Jordan Peele would direct. I mean, obviously anything Jordan Peele does, I would want to watch. But I really, I like those, especially those two main ones um, with Michael B. Jordan and John David Washington. I think that would be fantastic. But I would actually maybe say switch the two. Like maybe John David Washington be Caster Troy. Because Caster Troy is the real evil one, right? He's the true villain. Um, yeah, the so I just cage one. Yeah. Right. So I th- I just would like to see John David Washington doing that villain type role. So um, which I guess maybe then it should be the other because he's more the villain as the other character. Right. But either way, I just I want to see John David Washington be the villain because I think he would be amazing and I haven't seen it from him before. So I think that would be like I could just see him being really good at the I'm going to go crazy. I'm just off the wall and just causing chaos type of person like I just think that would be good and then Michael B. Jordan would just he can do either I've seen him be amazing as both good and bad characters so yeah I'm all in for that if they did those choices I think that this was a good idea this was definitely I'm glad you brought up this one just because I thought that of the responses we got this was one of the better ideas and he sort of race swapped it you know what i mean like that's kind of Mm -hmm. what he did was he kind of took a black director and black actors and said okay could they do this movie and i so i liked his thought process and that actually inspired my kill bill uh race swap that we're going to talk about later but no i really like this idea and i think maybe his thought process was he's thinking of michael b jordan as killmonger 
and how well he did yeah. in Black Panther. And he might be thinking, okay, uh, that's why he's probably thinking him for the villain. But I do like what you're saying, though. I, I, I think that the nuances of that role, John David Washington might be able to nail that a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, just skill wise. But no, I, 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 I see both sides of that. But no, I thought he had this was a good idea from Joel. My only issue with it is I would like to see a beefier role for an Idris Elba. Yeah. Like I get, I get that character was like, you know, a fairly big character, but it was only for a small part of the movie. And in doing so for me, one character, I think that Idris Elba would be able to really kind of play uh, effectively would be the Dietrich character. And you could just change the name Um, because Dietrich is the brother of, the caster Troy girlfriend that uh, caster Troy mm-hmm. had a kid with, you know, he's kind of a, like okay. a drug dealer character. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think that might be a slightly better role because then Idris Elba could be like a little bit more charming, you know, like playing that sleazy drug dealer character, you know? And I just think that that would be a more fitting role for an Idris Elba. It's slightly more impactful. And, you know, it, it, while that character does die, spoilers for Face Off, if you haven't seen that movie from 1997, um, I just think it would be a more interesting character and a more fitting character for Idris Elba. Yeah, I could see that. No, I could see that, too. So if you put Idris Elba there, then who would you replace for that prison guard? Forrest Whitaker. Mm. Ah. Forrest Whitaker. Yes. Nice. Nice. Because then it's nice. like a, a baldish man and a baldish man. <laughs> I like it. Even though Dietrich, even though Dietrich's bald, I mean, but you know what I mean. I just think that that you can do that, or even Lawrence Fishburne. If we're if we're going along the same lines of doing a race swap whilst doing it, hey, Andre Brower, guys, we can do him. Andre Brower would be great too. Oh, he would be great. Yeah, I feel like he always plays some kind of like a cop or like something like that. Usually, <laughs> he's great at it. But yeah, I could see it. Yeah, well, I mean, when you start your career that way, that happens to people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think any of those people would be great at it. Um, I think if you're, you know, if you want to go even a little further with this, uh, Chris Brower played Dubov in the first movie. A good version of that would be Terry Crews. Mm. Huge, scary mm. guy. Yeah. Dubov would yeah. be very, you know, like would be a good version of that. Mm-hmm. So that's my thought. And like I said, that was the only issue I kind of had with Idris Elba is that is I would just want him to play it like a like a slightly media role a little bit more meat on the bones. And I think Dietrich is just a slightly better character for that. Plus, I think that that would be, oh, and the last thing I'll say about it is just, plus, I think that that would be a fun and challenging role for the two leads, Michael B. Jordan and John David, like to have to, because because in that movie, the characters get surgery. So it's almost like you're playing the other person that you were supposed to be almost, but with a different face. So mm-hmm. I just think that that would be fun for those two actors. I think that that would be challenging for them, but they could definitely rise to the occasion being that they are two of the best uh, black performers we have right now. You know, I think they would rise to that occasion, but I'm sure they would find that a lot of fun, you know? Mm hmm. And and you would get what you want, Heather. You would get uh, Washington playing while That's he would true. be the good guy in the bad guy's body. 
there are the times where he really has to sell being the bad guy. Yep. So you would get to mm-hmm. still see some of what you wanted, keeping True. that the way it is. So really, they could do either, and it would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. All right, any other thoughts, guys? Nope, I'm good. Nope. All right, so on that note, guys, thank you guys for listening to the Simmons Slayer podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.simmonslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Simmons Slayers podcast. We are Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Um, also, keep a lookout. We are going to do another little bonus episode of the same type of thing of recasting, but it's solely going to be Justin. Uh, recasting Kill Bill. So that's going to be, you know, a mini episode of this same thing. So check that out, guys. That will be coming your way. Um, Let us know what you've been watching during this quarantine and stay-at-home stuff. Uh, Let us know if there's anything you want us to review or to talk about during this quarantine and stay-at-home stuff. Uh, And other than that, guys, thank you for listening. And remember, according to Chastin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. idea of what to sing (laughs) oh my nothing came to mind